How will Debo Samuel's brand new contract affect where he goes tonight? Will one NFL owner's words about his star player change his ADP? And which pro and or Joe will put on a show for all of us watching tonight? Follow along with the live draft board. Watch our pick-by-pick -pick analysis as we call the action from the 2022 FFPC Pros versus Joes. Finish him league number four who will win a 2023 FFPC main event squad. We'll find out. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott and Dave Terpoli are here. I'm Eric Falkman. Stick around. Your high stakes fantasy football hour starts now. And the pressure. I've seen Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Welcome into a special edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics and Ferreliacs, as well as uh, all the Dave Turp fans tuning in. We had to come up with a name for that. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-hosts are the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott, and of course, our live FFPC best ball analyst, Dave Terpoli. Tonight, we have the fourth of six special episodes for you. It's the 2022 FFPC Pros versus Joes Finish Him League number four draft tonight, and we'll be covering it the whole way. Shout out to the chat room right now. You can post any questions you might have in there, both on YouTube and on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, you can connect with us on Twitter at HSFFHour. I'm at Eric Balkman. Farrell's at J. Farrell Elliott, the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC and, of course, KFFSC.com. And you can uh, connect with Dave Terpoli at Dave Terp. You can also post on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash HSFFHour. You can also email the show at the inbox at high stakes fantasy football at gmail.com we'll have a uh uh our, do our best to get to all the chat room questions tweets and emails throughout the program tonight thanks to the hard work of our producer and mutual friend rob and our audio engineer uh and my best friend bryce uh tonight it is uh league number four in the pros versus joes i'm going to tell you who's participating in it uh but before i do i want to remind everybody that the FFPC main event slow drafts are off and running, and we're actually only a couple of weeks away, less than a couple of weeks away from the launch of the FFPC live main event. So make sure you're registering for that at myffpc.com, signing up for a uh, to win a million dollar grand prize. Of course, multiple football guys drafts filling up each and every day here at uh, the FFPC. The 2022 FFPC best ball tournament, that uh, tournament grand prize has been doubled as well as the prize pool doubled and the Superflex best ball tournament, that's the biggest thing uh, that you want to get on because that will sell out. Of all the things I mentioned, that will sell out first. We're over 80% full in that. $35 can get you $10,000. Of course, we're the home of season-long Dynasty high-stakes fantasy football and Dynasty League starting at $77. So not necessarily just high stakes, but anywhere between $77 and $25, uh, begging pardon, $5,000 uh, entry fees for Dynasty Leagues. Uh, Dynasty uh, startups available throughout the next month, roughly, or so. And then plenty of slow, live, uh, sit-and-go best ball options at myffpc.com. Join the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship now. 
uh, at kffsc.com, of course. Those are the things you need to know tonight. We'll bring in uh, the uh, my co-host right now. Number one, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football is here. He is Farrell Elliott. And then, of course, our FFPC live best ball uh, analyst uh, expert, Dave Terpoli. Guys, it's, it's not all that we start a pros versus Joe's draft where we have some breaking news. But we do indeed have breaking news tonight, and it might affect the, how the draft goes. Uh, Debo Samuel and the San Francisco 49ers have apparently patched things up. They've kissed and made up their BFF, uh, BFFs now. Three years, uh, $71.5 million extension through 2025. Farrell, I'll pitch this to you first. Debo Samuel, is this the last of the concerns you had for this player uh, this season? Uh, was, was whether... The, um, the 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 team and him were going to get together. The team and him were going to find a way to make it work out. Uh, because now I got to imagine, as I look at, and shout out to FantasyMojo.com, at FantasyMojo on Twitter, Darren Armani, who handles all the ADP and is the godfather of the pros versus Joe's competition. You look at Debo Samuel's ADP uh, in the FFPC best ball tournament. It was already fairly high. Wide receiver eight at the 211. Farrell, where does he go now? Now that this has alleviated a lot of drafters from from maybe avoiding them, uh, yeah, I would be surprised that anyone was avoiding him. There was no issues with when this was going to get done. Both sides were posturing. Congratulations on a seventy one point five million dollar deal. I wonder who wanted it only for three years. Perhaps the player and his team wanted four through the negotiations. But this is a very good deal. Why not, Debo Samuel? A um, will probably be an ascending draft pick as we try to understand what does his role look more like it looked last year. And, you know, uh, Balky and Dave Turp, I found out today I have a 1, 5, and 6 uh, in my drafting when we return to Planet Hollywood. So uh, Devo Samuel just may have to figure into one or two of those teams. He definitely will be in the running there somewhere. Uh, I think it's good for, obviously, you know, people drafting at the tail end of the first round. Do I think he's going to move up to mid first, you know, late first, early right. second? Probably not. Um, but, you know, some people might fall in love with him. I think there's a lot more questions than just the contract. I don't think the contract was as that big of a deal. No, Eventually no. it was going to get done. I just think you know, Trey Lance is still a question. I mean, Jimmy G loved Devo Samuel last year. I mean, he got him the ball everywhere. You don't know if the same rapport is going to be there with Lance. I'm still not crazy about Debo in 2022. Well, who are you crazy about? Because I know you're crazy. <laughs> well, now, wait a minute. That's you haven't seen all the Traylon Burks? No, 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 no. But you wait a minute. He's not a 49er. And, you know, we we can't we can't help your Brooks affectation, nor should we. Burks affectation, nor should we. But Debo Samuel, to me, is the most talented offensive weapon for the 49ers. You are high on the quarterback. You believe that he is a elite quarterback, and you're willing to draft him as high as the eighth round in all formats of the FFPC. Who is going to help Trey Lance achieve that status as a draft pick, if not Debo Samuel? Brandon Ayuk. Easy okay. answer. Yeah. George Kittle obviously will be – Yeah. You know, as good as he is, but he's still going to be blocking a ton. Sure. I just think Ayuk is, is ready to take that next step, and, and he's getting a pretty big discount in drafts right now. Will I not draft Debo, Debo Samuel? I mean, if I'm drafting, like I said, and you asked me what my favorite, my least favorite pick was in the last draft we did, 
Uh-huh. If I'm at the end and I have a Taylor Cup McCaffrey start and the guys that I don't want to fall, I could see myself possibly taking a share of Debo. Sure. On a main event team, probably not. Okay, well, I'm just – We'll return to this in in the saga of Trey Lance because I'm 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 not. This is more of a Lance conversation now than a Debo conversation. But my thought is that you're going to need more than Brandon Ayuk uh, to to push Trey Lance uh, into the area that you expect him to be. And I'm not saying you shouldn't expect him there. I've just I'm coming to terms with how he's going to get there. And that includes a lot of Debo Samuel. Uh, we'll get back to more of San Francisco uh, 49er Sports Talk Radio here on the High Stakes. <laughs> I'm assuming at least three more times when Samuel's drafted, when Ayuk's uh, drafted, and when Lance is drafted. We'll get to that. Let's tell you who tonight's players went with as the first round is now complete here. John Paulson from 4for4.com, the F- uh, beg your pardon, the pro, industry pro, taking Jonathan Taylor first overall. Uh, Jeremiah Turner and Chris Herbert, a pair of FFPC Joes, went with Cooper Cup at the 102. Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland from the Fantasy Football Hustle decided to go with Christian McCaffrey with their third pick. Travis Kelsey, the first tight end off the board tonight, going to the FFPC Joe, Steve Schatzel. Uh, Jim Coventry, rotowire.com in the five hole, took Justin Jefferson and um, uh, Henry Mudo, who drafted in this uh, league uh, in the pros versus Joes a week ago tonight, was is all he's very jelly about Justin Jefferson not being available to him at five. But it is what it is. It happens. We already talked about how Henry got some great value um, in his last Sunday night's draft compared to where these players went in Monday and Tuesday. Henry Mudo setting the FFPC pros versus Joe's ADP. Uh, Chris Hammond right after that takes uh, Austin Eckler from the sixth spot. J.J. Zacharis in the late round fantasy football uh, uh, wunderkind or founder, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he ends up going with Jamar Chase at the seventh spot. Larry Weinauer has been on this program a couple of times. He ends up going with Najee Harris at the 108. Mark Andrews to Scott Pianowski at the 109. Stephon Diggs off the board to James DeVito, the FFPC Joe at 10. Dalvin Cook falls to Alex Dunlap from Roster Watch at 111. And DeAndre Swift to John Terry at 112. Terp, DeAndre Swift, where does he end up the final day? of FFPC main event drafts, which will be the Saturday before the season, September 10th. We're a little over a month away from that. Where does Swift end up? Is he a late round first round or is he a late first round pick, mid first round pick? Does he fall to the second? What do you foresee with Swift? Because I got to believe we're probably not going to see a ton of them in the preseason. You definitely won't probably see any of them in the preseason. My guess is he ends probably somewhere in the eight, nine range, 10 possibly. If you want him, I mean, He's just not getting to the second round. I just don't see by the time that, you know, live drafts are in September and obviously the end of the year when most people draft, DeAndre Swift is going to keep rising. And I, I can see it, him and Saquon Barkley being right in that Najee Harris, Mark Andrews range. Carol, do you see it a similar way with Swift? Yeah, I, I'm really high on Swift. Um, stay healthy, DeAndre, and keep climbing the boards. It, it's um... – it's a good start. I, I don't think team number 12 thought they would get a chance at DeAndre Swift. And you know what? Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a rising player. You know, I don't know who drafted earlier tonight in the first 11 would have to fall to let him rise. But yeah, it's a good player. Yeah, it's interesting because I haven't heard any news on him recently. But then today, 
Um, I saw him in a football guys draft slip to like the mid to like, like 206 or 207 or something like that. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Sometimes Swift. that happens. And, 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 you know, it's kind of an outlier. There doesn't have to necessarily be a reason for it, but it is what it is. It, it just happens that way. Um, Terp, if you were sitting, actually, Farrell, let me, let me pitch this to you. Um, Jeremiah Turner and Chris Herbert were at the 102 tonight. Jonathan Taylor off the board which we found out from Fantasy Mojo, by the way, the most popular pick in FFPC main event drafts at the 101 this past week. Five out of five out of six high-stakes fantasy football players remember, uh, recommend Christian McCaffrey at the 101. Um, Jonathan Taylor goes 101 tonight, and I think that is what we've seen in football, guys. But, Farrell, if you're faced with that decision at the 102 tonight and, and it's not Kentucky uh, where the receivers tend to go quicker, in the FFPC, are you taking Cup, McCaffrey, or perhaps even Travis Kelsey there? I will take Cup there, but however, if we're when we get to Las Vegas, we'll be past the preseason, and I'll know who the quarterback at Carolina is going to be, and that might make me change my mind on McCaffrey. Also, if I watch McCaffrey and like the way he moves, that might make my uh, me change my mind. But that's your only shot at Cooper Cup. You're not going to take him one. He's not going to generally be available four. So unless you're in the two or three hole, that's your only way to get involved with Cooper Cup. So I've got my draft picks for Las Vegas. I won't get Cooper Cup this year. He's not going to um, fall to five or six. You know, and so. I was just going to bring that up, Farrell. He fell to the five in a football guy's draft that commissioned late last night. Hey, so football I, guys, how late was it? It, uh, it was like it was either the 10 o'clock or the midnight. I can't remember. Highly time. unusual. Well, there was one guy, and I I, I'm, I won't say who. but There's always one guy. He, he said, and I can't remember which draft it was, and I don't think he'll mind me saying this as long as I keep it anonymous, but he said, he said, um, hey, is the screen going crazy for anybody else? And nobody said anything. And I said, yeah, what, what do you mean? He's like, well, it's just bouncing from side to side. And I'm like, I, I, I'm be honest with you. I try to go back out, come back in. I haven't heard of that happening before. He's like, oh, okay. Maybe I'm just too stoned. And I'm like, you know what? That, what that's probably the reason the screen is bouncing back. And forth. We are through the second round here, gentlemen. C.D. Lamb uh, off the board to uh, John Terry as he pairs his DeAndre Swift with C.D. Lamb. Uh, Derek Henry to Alex Dunlap. Devontae Adams, the second consecutive receiver drafted by James DeVito here. A little mini running back run. Scott Pianowski takes Aaron Jones. Saquon Barkley to Troy Weinhauer. Uh, then you are Troy Weinhauer. Larry Weinhauer. Troy's boys always throws me off. Larry Weinhauer takes Saquon. He's been on the show like three times and I still yeah. screw up his name. Saquon Barkley there. Joe Mixon uh, to JJ Zacharyson. Javante Williams uh, to Chris Hammond. T. Higgins uh, to. Uh, for the uh, the wide receiver, wide receiver start for Jim Coventry here from the five hole. T. Higgins off the board, and then Nick Chubb uh, to uh, Steve Schatzel, the FFPC Joe at the four spot. The third tight end falls tonight, goes to Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland at the two ten. Debo Samuel the 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 goes right at ADP tonight um, at the two eleven. Leonard Fournette completes the first round. John Terry, uh, beg your pardon, John Paulson. From four for four, taking Leonard Fournette to complete his running back, running back start. Um, so uh, let's get back to the 49ers here. I, I guess I expected uh, Debo Samuel to go it a little bit earlier tonight. Terp, are you surprised that that he goes right at where he has been going for the last week? I think that's just where he's going to stay. He might move up a little bit, but the, like I said, it, the contract is not the only question. I mean, there's the the Trey Lance the, the debate can go on and on. I mean, he's one of the most polarizing prospects in fantasy football this year. People love him, and people are totally not on him at all. So if you're not on him, you're not going to be on Devo. A lot of people think just the rushing is going to take over. Also, the the, the potential 
his arm is way better than Jimmy G. So Ayuk will get a lot more deep passes. I, I mean, I would rather take a discount with Ayuk than spend this capital on Debo. Um, Farrell, the uh, the other player we could talk about in this round here, and I just want to see if uh, yeah, let's talk about T Higgins here because Jim Coventry jumped the I wouldn't say jumped the gun. I mean, you got to get your guys, but it was about roughly a half round earlier than he normally goes. Um, normally falling to an early third round pick. He goes tonight as um, wide receiver seven instead of wide receiver 10 at the 208. We have, I can't remember if you and I were talking about this or Turp and I were talking about this. The difference between Chase and Higgins perhaps isn't that big. And maybe mm. Jim Coventry is onto that, that he might get close to Chase production here and uh, only soaking a mid second round pick into it. Okay, so yeah, he's thinking that uh, defensive coordinators are uh, lining up to put all their efforts into Jamar Chase, much like they do with Stephon Diggs, and that they, Higgins will run free. But I also say that the uh, Tyler Boyd there is, is is a good target for Cincinnati, and it just I like every receiver um, drafted in the second round and all the receivers drafted in the third round up to the number seven position better than I like Higgins. But I am in a minority here because Higgins, just just like Dave Turp says, look, it's the end of the first round for Debo Samuel, and that's where he's nested, and that's where he's going to stay. Higgins surprisingly ends up in the middle of the second round in all these drafts. We've watched him uh, – We've watched him come from the third round uh, into a solid middle of the second round pick. Uh, Turp, Leonard Fournette here settles in at the 212. Uh, th- the whole weight thing, completely blown out of proportion. By, and I'll lump myself into this because I was very concerned about it. High stakes drafters, especially John Paulson here, taking him at the 212. They don't seem to be concerned about that anymore. Hopefully you got the week or so discount because, I mean, that was all overblown. At the end of the day, Tom Brady is going to put in the backfield or Tom Brady wants in the backfield. He loves Fournette. He trusts Fournette. So he came he was a little overweight coming into training camp or whatever you want to call it. He clearly looks good right now. It's a, a gift to pair with Jonathan Taylor. Guys, what do we make of um, the start for Alex Dunlap here, specifically uh, Derrick Henry falling to the second round? Farrell, um, when, when you look at that player, what he's done over the last couple of years, I know there's been a lot of high stakes players that have bet against him to fail in 2021, bet against him to fail in 2020. Um, and it just hasn't happened. I mean, last year he did get hurt, but it was at the end of the season when it didn't necessarily, you know, kill your dreams for, for three months. But what do you make about Derrick Henry now falling to the second round, not only in the pros versus Joe's, but in the FFPC best ball tournament as well. Now that's where I would take him. If I get a, if I've been announced today that I have a 10 or 11, 12 spot, I'm going to be smiling because a month ago, I never thought that I could get my hands on uh, Derrick Henry. And I would, I think we found something that Dave Turp and I might really agree with, although he's not a Henry guy. You're not Dave, are you? But in nope. team 11 and team 10, um, these are two of my favorite teams to start this draft. I really like what they did uh, in the first and second round here. Well, let's talk about Dunlap's team here, Farrell, because, and, and I know it's not just because they took a Raider here that uh, roster watches Alex Dunlap took a Raider in the third round. But, you know, because of this format where you only have to start two receivers, you know, it's it's not like you're being pigeonholed to take a receiver here in the first three rounds. You can get away with pounding them later in this best ball format. Has that been your experience? It, it is. It's it's that way in um, several of the formats and in the FFPC where we have the dual flex, essentially you're starting 
two receivers if that's the way you want to go about it. I've um, I see so many boards in Kentucky where our rules say that you must start three wide receivers every week. I get into a situation that when I get to Las Vegas, I've been a little bit brainwashed by all the yellow stickers. But <laughs> this year particularly, it's a situation where there's so much depth at wide receiver. There's wide receivers that I I love even deep through the double-digit rounds. And it looks like our drafters here tonight are going one way or the other. The balance team doesn't seem to be what they're choosing to do. It's it's a, it's a mix of running back heavy and wide receiver heavy. And, uh, you know, wow, very running back heavy. And so, yeah, I, um, I'm happy with the idea of adding running backs. At some point, it's diminished returns. Uh, you, you know, um, uh, Overset and Coran the other night, you know, they have to have. A running back, you can't just, you know, you don't need to go all the way to the 11th round. And they saved their draft fantastically with what they were able to do. But um, that's a little bit of an extreme. Uh, it, most of these guys are building a balanced team. Two is all yellow and, and team 11 is all green. And, and everybody else seems to be trying to build a balanced team. Um yeah, and Scott Hoyt, by the way, who is a, a a very successful high stakes fantasy football player, he's been on the high stakes fantasy football hour before. Plays in the varsity leagues live in, in Planet Hollywood, where you can sign up and register for your stay to draft with us live at Planet Hollywood in the FFPC coming up in September. But he's also chiming in in the Facebook chat. Farrell agrees with you that ten and eleven are both off to very strong starts here. We will be monitoring those teams going forward to give you the lay of the land of what happened in the third round. It was a lot of yellow. John Paulson takes Keenan Allen. Mike Evans uh, then goes off the board at the 302 tonight to Turner and Herbert. Uh, Tyree Kill to Drake and McFarland. Alvin Kamara, the second consecutive running back, drafted by Steve Schatzel. Then you have James Conner going to Jim Coventry. Michael Pittman to Chris Hammond as his first receiver. A.J. Brown, the second receiver, drafted by Zachary Eason. Allen Robinson to Weinhauer. D.J. Moore to Pianowski. Travis Etienne is the number one running back for the team uh, drafting in the 10 spot. That's FFPC Joe, James DeVito, Darren Waller. We already talked about Alex Dunlap takes him at 311 and completing the 312 uh, with the uh, 312 pick tonight, completing the third round is indeed Mike Williams. And I do want to point out here, guys, um, Mike Evans actually slipped a little bit here. In tonight's draft, normally has an ADP of the 209. He ends up falling to the 302. I gotta wonder, Terp, if if you're in that spot at the 302, and you know that you gotta wait a while to come back in the fourth round, but Mike Evans is sitting there, even though you already have two receivers, you gotta look at Evans and grab him there. Is that what you would have done? I'm doing backflips up and down the street. I have no idea. I missed Mike Evans news or something. <laughs> I keep seeing him fall to the end of the second round, and I don't, <laughs> I don't understand why. I mean, Chris Godwin's still a huge question. People got to stop talking about Julio Jones. I mean, Russell Gage is you either love him or you hate him, I guess, right now. And Brady loves Mike Evans. Brady loves Mike Evans around the goal line to get potentially the wide receiver one when it comes to touchdowns this year. Plus all the other stuff you get. That's a gift. Um, Farrell, or I beg your pardon, Terp. Uh, FFPC Aiden pointing out um, Team 10 tonight. Uh, drafting, uh, that is uh, James DeVito. He says you must love this squad with the Diggs and Allen hookup and then obviously Devontae Adams and Travis Etienne to go with it. It's pretty hard not to like how he started. I mean, 
Allen's not coming back to him, so it's it's the spot. If you're going to stack digs and Allen, you got to do it there. Uh, the chances of him coming back are slim to none. Also, though, Team 12, exceptional <laughs> You beat me to it because I was going to say if the if the comments, if, if the people in the chat room knew Terp like we knew Terp, Team 12 is who Terp wants to Sign talk about. Up. Oh, Terp. Sign me up. And that, and by the way, that's John Terry who's drafting the 12 spot tonight. And don't forget that John led the entire Football Guys Players Championship. Um, I believe he was in first, and I could be John can pipe in and tell me if I'm wrong here. I believe he was in first and fifth place heading into the final week in the week 17 last year. He didn't win the whole thing, but he did have two top 10 teams in the Football Guys Same. Players Championship last year. No one else did that last year. I don't know if no one else is, I don't know if anybody else has ever done that before. He did it last year, and you can obviously see um, tonight, guys, from for that back end, that 10, 11, 12. I think this is this is a precursor. You know, it's like that. It's that. It's that final round at Augusta, right, where the, the those two final pairings are just beating each other up the whole time, knowing what's at stake. I think 10, 11, and 12 are going to cannibalize themselves at the end. And while they're all off to great starts, it'll be interesting to see because only one team can win this. You take second, you don't get anything. And 10, 11, 12 are really going to be beating themselves up. That's what's been happening so far. An interesting thing happened in the fourth round. We'll get to it right now as I recap the action here. Cortland Sutton to John Terry. Cam Akers to Alex Dunlap. Josh Allen paired with um, uh, Stephon Diggs uh, at the 10 spot to James DeVito. Uh, Deontay Johnson, the second receiver drafted by Scott Pianowski. Dalton Schultz off the board as the number five tight end tonight to Larry Weinauer. Um is a noted Cowboys fan. I'll just point that out. Marquise Brown to um, uh, J.J. Zacharyson, then George Kittle off the board to Chris Hammond as his top tight end. A uh, couple of running backs here. Jim Coventry takes Elijah Mitchell to go with his James Conner from the previous round. Brees Hall will be the third running back, drafted by Steve Schatzel. Doesn't have any receivers yet, but he does have the top tight end off the board and three consecutive running backs now, Chubb, Kamara, and Brees Hall. Terry McLaurin is the second receiver drafted by Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland. Jerry Judy fourth consecutive receiver to uh, the wolf ticket of Jeremiah Turner and Chris Herbert. TJ Hawkinson wraps up the fourth round, the third tight end selected in the fourth round. This one going to John Paulson with the final pick. All right, Farrell, Dalton Schultz over George Kittle. We know uh, Larry is a, is a Cowboys fan. I know you are a Dalton Schultz fan. Would you be able to make that selection Schultz over Kittle? You know, I would, uh, and, and it would be an easy choice for me. I, uh, and Schultz has pretty much settled into this early middle fourth, or you get a bargain very, very late fourth. And I don't think drafters should let this uh, player slide un until the later part of the fourth round. And, and very few of us are going to get him. Now, I learned today that I'll be drafting from the middle. And so I think I'm out of the Dalton Schultz business when we get live in Las Vegas because he'll be gone before I get a chance to get him, and I'm not going to spend third-round draft capital on him. I like him because he is a great pass catcher in a situation that um, you have a quarterback that uh, moves off the spot but also shares what a lot of young, uh, known as dual-threat running quarterbacks don't have in their repertoire is the way as a, as a man that on the progressions can, or on the move can go through the progressions. It's the same thing that Josh Allen does. And he has receivers that don't leave the route, but the middle of the field at Texas stadium is owned by Dalton Schultz. And I, I think it's just a, a wonderful situation for him to, 
build on the receptions he had last year as well as the touchdowns. All right, guys. Um, I'm just responding to something here right now. I apologize. I am still paying attention because this is a very heated draft as the fifth round rolls on here. Uh, Terp, you had the decision that Brian Drake had to make here uh, along with Dwayne McFarland at the end of the fourth round. Terry McLaurin or Jerry Judy, if those are your two choices, um, we know that that Drake and McFarland went with McLaurin. Would you have made that same call there? I personally have more Judy, but I don't find any fault in the pick. I mean, McLaurin is clearly the number one option in, in Washington. And also, with the next round, I, I know I'm skipping around the head, but fifth round Jalen Waddle is mm, mm-hmm. can't really get much better value than that. And pairing it with Hill, my guess is you'll see two coming off that board to team three somewhere. So, so this is interesting, Terp, and, and I know we're looking ahead a little bit. Um, with Hill and Waddle um, going here in the third and fifth round to Drake and McFarland, which, by the way, they're get, that before we even started talking about this, they were getting some love in the YouTube chat right now saying how Team 3 is looking pretty good here. Would you be okay with waiting to have Tunga Vailoa as your starting quarterback in this format and try to load up on other positions knowing that that Miami stack is your key to glory here, knowing that you have to finish first, or would you still pepper in another quarterback, knowing that Tunga Vailoa, as I look here at at the uh, at at his mojo here and, and where he normally goes, he's normally quarterback seventeen, so it'd be pretty easy to get a quarterback there before Tunga Vailoa, or you could go for broke and then just go with the Tunga Vailoa stack and somebody late, maybe Baker Mayfield. Just pointing that out. What would what would be your your sort of approach on this? He definitely would never be my my QB one. I just feel like you have the QB2 with upside with those two guys already. You can build in a Jalen Hurts, Kyler Murray, uh, Trey Lance type of situation easily with that team with pass catches that are a little cheaper that will get drafted up here soon. Tua would never be my number one because I'm just not the biggest fan overall. But if you're going to go the way the team three is going with two of the most elite pass catchers in the game right now and Waddle and Hill, my guess is two is going to come on this roster somehow. And, and, and I think that's going to happen now. Is there, is there value in, cause we talked about this in, and Farrell and I talked to Liz Ballard on Friday for the high stakes fantasy football hour, um, which you can check out at the FFPC YouTube channel in case you missed it. But she drafted Tuesday in the pros versus Joe's. And she said that, that she will look to stop other people's um, other people's stacks, right? Is this something, if you were, you know, Turner and Herbert at the two, if you're Steve Schatzel at the four term, is that a, is that a, a, a stack worth stomping here later on in the draft? Did, do Drake and McFarland have to be aware of something like that happening? I've never been in business of trying to break up stacks. I just don't feel like it brings any value to your team unless you're adding the tight end, Jacecki, and maybe they would take Tua, but to take Tua by himself, what does it good for your team? I, I just don't see the upside in the contest like this that it's first or nothing. What What is adding to it to a roster really going to bring you to get you to first place by just blocking somebody else? Guys, the fifth round is done. Brandon Cooks is the second receiver drafted by John Paulson here. David Montgomery is the first running back chosen by Turner and Herbert going uh, with a heavy wide receiver uh, team tonight, getting Montgomery at the 502. We already talked about Jalen Waddle to Drake and McFarland. DK Metcalf to Steve Schatzel after that. 
Um, Darnell Mooney is uh, Jim Coventry's third receiver drafted here in the fifth round. Ezekiel Elliott off the board to Chris Hammond. Gabriel Davis, the Buffalo Bills receiver to J.J. Zacharyson. Chris Godwin to uh, Larry Weinhauer, followed by Amon Ross St. Brown to Scott Pianowski. Rashad Bateman uh, to Team 10. That's James DeVito. And then Juju Smith-Schuster off the board at the 5'11 as the number one receiver to Alex Dunlap from Roster Watch. Justin Herbert off the board here. Pairing uh, Mike Williams and Justin Herbert together is John Terry at the 12 spot. Farrell, let's talk about that 5'11 pick, Juju Smith-Schuster. There has been talk um, I've seen on Twitter lately from some high-stakes fantasy players talking about it. Juju Smith-Schuster, kind of a polarizing guy. I normally follow the money, and I look how much money they gave MVS. I look how much money they gave JJSS, and it's a deep yawning chasm between the two. However, Smith-Schuster continues to go ahead of Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and there's a lot of people out there that believe he might lead the Chiefs in catches this year. What do you make of that uh, selection at the 5'11", Farrell, knowing Alex Dunlap did not have any receivers yet, but he gets a high-ceiling guy there in Smith-Schuster? I'm all for it, and Bucky, you're looking at the board. Who's the next ADP receiver available? After Smith Schuster, is that who you're talking about? Yes, sir. Uh, after Moore. it would have been, um, oh, I went past it. You're looking at um, Thielen, Mari Cooper, Elijah Moore. Turp is, is another Michael Thomas is a guy who's been okay. ascending as well. I think Turp probably would have taken Michael Thomas there, and I, I would have uh, possibly been tempted to pull the trigger on both those wide receivers, but we see exactly what he did as you go around to the the sixth round that we haven't talked about yet. So he is playing into his plan. And now Juju Juju Smith-Schuster looks uh, much more attractive when you consider how he built this team. But my questions about this team, uh, go back to the fourth round when he picked up Cam Akers, how much I would have liked to have had a receiver there that that went off in the fourth round um, after more than I would like to have that third running back. So that's my complaint about team number 11. But other than that, I surely like the players. And, yes, I can live with Schuster. And I, I think in this, you know, I don't want to repeat myself uh, because I think we have this, a lot of the same people listening every week. But I'm a believer in Schuster catching a lot of passes from his quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. And those other receivers you listed all have significant questions at quarterback. Everybody has significant questions at quarterback compared to Patrick Mahomes. So I like this. I like this stack. Terp in the fifth round, a couple of bears went off the board, David Montgomery and Darnell Mooney. Which one do you have more shares of right now on, on your teams? Is it Montgomery or is it Mooney? That's an easy answer. It's always Mooney. Mooney's one of my highest end receivers. The target share is massive. I'm like, we've talked about on shows before. I'm very, very high on the bears. Mooney, Colcomet, Fields, all of them, love them. I just feel like they're very undervalued in drafts right now. David Montgomery is somebody that I didn't like him last year. He actually shot me up really quickly. I just don't see – I don't see the – I don't know. I just don't see it in him. I have a lot more Herbert later. Montgomery's kind of in the zone where we talk about the dead zone running back that I usually try to avoid. Usually at this time I'm pounding receivers. I mean, I would take pretty much everybody that's been drafted after him. I would have took Waddle. I would have took Metcalf. I would have took Mooney. Would have took Davis, would have took Godwin, would have took St. Brown, would have took Bateman, Juju, we could argue about. Montgomery's not for me. Farrell, one of the players that Terp just mentioned was DK Metcalf, who went 
pretty close to his ADP tonight to uh, Steve Schatzel, who drafted him as his number one receiver. One of the things, and I don't think we talked about this on Friday at all, um, but Metcalf inked that big extension, that three-year extension that um, actually lets him back out into free agency at age 28 so he could cash in again. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts on Metcalf this year, knowing you know Geno Smith has been running with the first team this year? Can he make Metcalf great again here in the yeah. fifth round for, for uh, not only Steve Schatzel, but the other FFPC players looking to draft him there? When they do pass the ball, it will run through Metcalf. He's a, a superior athlete with – great body and great physicality for playing the game. Uh, I don't believe the the quarterback that's going to start and shine in Seattle is on the roster yet. So um, I think we will see Metcalf move uh, up to draft once preseason starts, once some trades are made, once some, uh, some acquisitions in Seattle come to pass. But I, um, with a, with a player like this, you take a look at the quarterback position, you know, Dave Turp is a big fan of Lance. You're a big fan of Fields. Your other young quarterback that you absolutely love, Turp. I mean, Jalen Hurts, but most of these guys is rushing upsides too high. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, and that's just, you know, you take a look at these guys, and you you the best thing I can say about them is their best football is in front of them. I think Hurts out of is clearly separating from those three. Um, Geno Smith has never been – necessarily a, a quarterback that you're going to put a whole great deal of faith in. And I don't think the Seattle front office is either, but Metcalf, no matter who's playing quarterback is such a superior athlete that I say being in business with him in the fifth round is a good play. Uh, the sixth round is now completed here, guys. JK Dobbins is the uh, second running back drafted by, I keep wanting to call him Chris Vincent, another noted high stakes FFPC player, but it's John Terry's team. Called Chris Vincent, Sexy Sailor Vegas. I think there's a story <laughs> behind that. Uh, J.K. Dobbins at the 601 tonight. Patrick Mahomes goes to Alex Dunlap uh, from Roster Watch. So he gets the back-to-back chief stack here with Smith-Schuster and then Mahomes in the sixth. Dallas Goddard off the board is the number one tight end drafted by James DeVito. Devontae Smith, the fourth straight receiver selected by Scott Pianowski. Elijah Moore off the board to Larry Weinhauer. Uh, Kyler Murray will be calling the plays for late-round fantasy football's J.J. Zacharyson as his number one quarterback. Mari Cooper, the second receiver drafted by Chris Hammond. Zach Ertz, the number one tight end for Jim Coventry. Hunter Renfro doubling down on receivers in the fifth and the sixth is Steve Schatzel here, Metcalf, and then Renfro. Uh, Michael Thomas to Drake and McFarland. Alan Lazard off the board as the five uh, fifth receiver for Turner and Herbert here. And then Lamar Jackson completes the sixth round, maybe starting a little bit of a quarterback round in the seventh round. John Paulson grabs the quarterback five in this draft tonight in Lamar Jackson at the 6-11. So l- let me – philosophical question here, Terp. If you are um, Alex Dunlap here and you are picking at the 5-11, do you take Smith-Schuster – if you want Mahomes, do you take Smith Schuster there, assuming that John Terry's going to want to pair Justin Herbert with Mike Williams and you'll get Mahomes on the wraparound? Or am I just looking way too deep into this? No, you're looking into it perfectly. I mean, that's pretty much what he did. He knows he knew that there was no chance that Mahomes was getting taken by Team 12, and it worked out perfectly for him. I mean, it's sometimes you got to pay attention to that stuff. And yeah, Patrick Mahomes might be the better pick and the sexier pick, but. You got to study in your draft board is very, very underrated in drafts. Mm-hmm. People just, you know, get crazy. They see Patrick Mahomes on the board and they got to take him 
when if they take Patrick Mahomes there, there's a good chance Juju doesn't come back to him. And then what? Then your draft just doesn't look as good as it initially did. And you might be like reaching and you might be out of whack. Looking at draft boards is definitely something that people don't do that they should be doing a lot more. Agreed. Speaking of draft boards, guys, uh, Henry Mudo has the uh, ADP update uh, from what he did in his draft. Now, there is no first overall prize in the pros versus Joes, except for bragging rights. Um, but he points out that Chris Godwin went in the fifth round of the three pros versus Joes he wasn't in. Uh, Henry Mudo got him at 608. Elijah Moore went in the sixth round of the three pros versus Joes that he did not draft in. And uh, he got him at 705. So he's crushing the value on both those players. Um, and then he brings up Michael Thomas, and this is the player I wanted to ask you about, Farrell. Uh, 801 is where he went in Henry's draft a week ago tonight. He goes tonight at the 603, and we are seeing a bump from Michael Thomas, a guy who was like a mid to late seventh round pick, sometimes slipping to the eighth. Now we're getting some more positive reports coming out of New Orleans. To me, it doesn't feel like coach speak and, and fluff stuff anymore. Uh, that this might be legit, that Thomas could start the season and not miss much time. He goes tonight at the 603. I I, I feel like this is a guy that's going to – or I beg your pardon, not the 603. He goes tonight at the 610, but I feel like this is a player that's going to continue to rise. Turk called it the other night, and some of our guests called it. And I think Mr. Hansen, when he visited with us, called it. As long as this player keeps dropping, he becomes a very, very attractive player uh, to draft at this point in time, especially when you've built a team – where you've got steady eddies and a good balanced team. This is a perfect place to add him. And uh, Turp may roll his eyes at it a bit, but I absolutely love his quarterback. I really think that Winston has a fantastic I season. I would never say an eye roll coming on that one. I mean, yeah, I, I would say an eye roll coming on that one. Yeah, I love – I have a lot of Jameis Winston this year. I think he has plenty of upside. He has some great receivers on the outside. Well, the then there's the guy that you can, there's the guy you can sleep on. Then you know you he's don't, definitely somebody that I have no issue being my my second quarterback. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, especially because he would be better than most of the guys you like as your first. So let's not get it. He would be so. good as a second. Um, do you, uh, let, let's get into the seventh round here, actually, because these these drafters are picking up steam after this little mini quarterback run went early in the seventh year. Adam Thielen to John Paulson, AJ Dillon then to Turner and Herbert. Uh, three straight quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts to Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland, Russell Wilson to Steve Schatzel. Joe Burrow goes to uh, Jim Coventry, who makes sure that he's – now I don't know if he was going to be fighting J.J. Zacharyson uh, over uh, Joe Burrow, given that Zacharyson, not on brand, taking Kyler Murray in the sixth round here tonight. But Joe Burrow goes to Jim Coventry. Drake London, the third receiver selected by Chris Hammond. Uh, a bunch of running backs, Tony Pollard. Uh, is the second running back drafted by Zacharyson. and Josh Jacobs. Let's talk about him in a second. Goes to Larry Weinauer, Antonio Gibson to Scott Pianowski, Miles Sanders um, to uh, to James DeVito. Here, three very interesting running backs to talk about. Traylon Burks to Alex Dunlap and Christian Kirk at the seven twelve tonight completes the seventh round. Farrell, I'm going to ask you about Josh Jacobs here. He falls to the seven oh eight. What's going on with him in Vegas? And and I feel like you know I'm not the biggest Josh Jacobs guy in the world. But, man, in the seventh round, I, I'm, I'm on board with that. How sweet it is. Just keep dropping, Josh. Just keep dropping. He will. His, his, uh, his running buddy with a with a brick tied around him is Antonio Gibson. And, um, yeah, it's Terp, it, it is. It, uh, and I think that's, that's uh, fantastic for anyone that uh, – can have the foresight to realize how many times he's going to carry the ball and what he can do with it. The Kenyon Drake thing is a 
advantage uh, naturally for Drake, but for both players. Uh, Jacobs at 200 carries is a better player than at Jacobs at 250 carries. I'm, I'm very comfortable with that type of player uh, in the sixth and seventh round. I was never a fan of Jacobs where he was going early in the year in the third and fourth round. But as he continues to drop, he makes an excellent, especially in this case, third running back. Uh, Terp, we're looking at a, a bunch of, it's weird to say this, but has-beens here at running back in the seventh round, or at least that's the way they're drafted tonight. Not necessarily that they are has-beens, but uh, Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, and Miles Sanders. Farrell just gave us the skinny on Josh Jacobs. Who do you think is more likely to outperform his draft slot here between Gibson and Sanders, knowing that Gibson went at the 709, Sanders goes at the 710? Who's more than likely, or who's more likely to crush that draft spot? Can I pick neither? Oh, so you don't like either one in the seventh round. I, I we talked about Gibson again. Gibson is one of the most polarizing players. The talent's there. Everybody loves the player, but the situation is a disaster. He already is banged up to start camp. Brian Robinson's already getting talked about being the goal line guy. We all know McKissick's not going anywhere. So what's his ceiling? He needs two injuries away from being a number one running back. And then Sanders, Philly. He had zero touchdowns last year. Mm. They're giving Gainwell first-team reps, but then they're coming out and saying he's their guy. He's in a contract year. I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're a gun to my head, I'm taking Miles Sanders because I just think the situation's better. But neither of them really excite me. Her, right. I'm, I think you should get excited about your homegrown Miles Sanders. And I'll, I'll, I'll I love you. Miles Sanders two years ago, whatever that was, Miles Sanders. But, no, I want you to join us in the present. This is the 2022 <laughs> live draft coverage. I don't Pro want to because I don't want him this year. And I know that as a man who got married in November of 2021, that you would like to relive that year because it'll be hard to top again. We've already talked about the yeah. fact that uh, that was the best day's work that any of us will ever do. That's very true there. Congratulations, my friend. But the worst day's work that anyone did last year in Philadelphia was the Philadelphia defense. And I've looked into the Eagles because I didn't know that you were such an affectionate Eagles fan. And so I spent some time, and thank you very much for bringing it to my attention. There's not particularly a lot of changes on the offense that interest me, but there are significant changes on this defense. The defense, defense is legit. It, it, it was a terrible defense last year, the last last in sacks, terrible in turnovers, but the additions that they have made to this team make me think that occasionally Jalen Hurts won't be looking at an 80-yard field, that Miles Sanders won't be looking at that same kind of 80-yard field, and that they'll be getting the ball in a better position to score the ball. I'm excited about what the Eagles can do as far as putting touchdowns on the board this year, and I think that's why you'll be – uh, excited about Miles Sanders. That's why I like Josh Jacobs there. And I, Antonio Gibson, I do have question marks, but yeah, in the seventh round, I, I can live with that. But yes, get happy about your Miles Sanders. Quit looking backwards, start looking forward. Your Eagles are going to be a different kind of Eagles. And those They're touchdowns, the best team in the division, I'll tell those, you that. Those, those touchdowns that went to the Giant Killer last year. Are going to Miles Sanders. I hope so. I love the player, but there you um, go. Well, now you've got a reason to love him because he's statistically <laughs> going to support your affection. I'll take Gainwell a couple rounds later. 
Yeah, we, and you definitely could do that. Um, guys, we're through eight rounds here. Clyde edwards alaire is the third running back off the board to John Terry. DeAndre Hopkins, the third wideout selected by Alex Dunlap here at the 802. Devin Singletary joins Miles Sanders uh, on um, uh, James DeVito's team as his third running back. Uh, four quarterbacks go off the board this round. The first two, Tom, uh, Tom Brady going to Scott Pianowski. Dak Prescott paired with Dalton Schultz on uh, Larry Weinhauer's team. Kadarius Tony off the board to J.J. Zacharyson is his number five receiver. Trey Lance will be buddied up with George Kittle on Chris Hammond's uh, team from the sixth spot tonight. A lot of running backs here. Chase Edmonds, Jim Coventry. James Cook is the fourth running back selected by Steve Schatzel. Kareem Hunt, the second running back selected by Drake and McFarland. Damian Harris off the board to Turner and uh, Herbert, the FFPC Joe Tandem. And then we get another quarterback going to John Paulson here. Lamar Jackson in the sixth, Aaron Charles Rogers in the eighth round as the first team to double up on quarterbacks. Nobody's doubled up on tight ends yet. So there's a few things to unpack from this round here. And Farrell, let's let's throw it to you right away. Ramondre Stevenson, we've heard from uh, reports, is, is getting some love with the first team in New England. He, we already knew he was working on his pass catching there. Um, and the, the distance between him and Harris was only Aaron Rodgers away. Harris goes at the 8-11, Ramondre Stevenson at the 9-01. Are we on the cusp of seeing Stevenson leapfrog Damian Harris in ADP, or are we still a ways away from that happening? I guess we're going to see it. We're going to see it very early in the preseason. And I, it, it's, it's interesting because uh, uh, I've heard the expression on the show and on a lot of other podcasts, the dead zone of running backs. Man, our board really shows – a dead zone, but now they're stacking these running backs up in the seventh, eighth, and ninth round. And, uh, you know, Stevenson, a young player uh, surrounded by young talent, which did not add a lot of uh, downfield receiver help, added some red zone help. Running game is going to be very, very important. Short passing game proved to be important last year. So, yes, why can't you get involved with that running back? And they'll probably continue to go close on the board with each other. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask, and, and Terp, I'll, I'll throw this one to you here. Um, the James Cook selection. What do you view James Cook doing in Buffalo? We know that he was drafted fairly high, second-round pick, I believe. We know he probably wouldn't have been a second-round pick for Buffalo had McKissick decided to stay with the Bills. Um, but we see him as the fourth running back drafted by Steve Schatzel um, and the second consecutive rookie running back by him. What do you think Cook does this year? And talk talk about in terms of him being drafted tonight at the 809. What's his likelihood to outperform that draft slot? He's rising up draft boards right now. It's pretty hard to ignore. He's getting a lot of positive press in camp. They're splitting him out. They're moving him all over. They love his pass catching ability. He's definitely a guy that if you're going to go very limited running backs, he's a guy you want on your team. I always say if you're going to go to zero running, the, the zero running back hero build, you want guys like James Cook. You want guys like Tony Pollard. You want guys that have the upside that they're an injury away from realistically being a top five running back. And both of those guys have it. I like Cook a lot. I've been drafting him a lot more recently. Um, Singletary seems like he's you know the safer pick. But in these type of formats, the safer pick usually doesn't win it for you. James Cook definitely has the upside, the pass catching ability, and the best offense in probably football. I like to pick a lot. Farrell, how do you balance something like that when you look at the Bills running backs? We know James Cook is is a young, dynamic pass catcher, um, and but we also know Devin Singletary could get the most touches on this team. 
maybe not the most high value touches, but we know Singletary went here in the eighth round, James Cook about a half round behind him. If you're looking at those Bills running backs, is there a better one to target in this format than the other? Singletary, because he's done it before, and he did it well at the end of last year. And it's a winning team that's not looking to make a lot of changes. Cook will be a great complimentary player, but you talk about change of pace. I don't know how much he changes the pace away from Singletary. He will bring fresh legs, um, wonderful college player, tremendous upside. Uh, but, yeah, less opportunity in a mature, winning, Super Bowl-directed team um, there should be a bigger spread between these two players as far as I'm concerned. Okay, polarizing uh, polarizing uh, takes on, on the Bills' uh, running back situation. I love it. Um, Farrell, you were loving uh, Alex Dunlap's start earlier, um, I think after like three or four picks, um, actually after the first three picks. How do you feel about it now knowing, and he's on the clock here in the ninth round, knowing that he is through eight rounds, his only receivers are Smith-Schuster, Traylon Burks, DeAndre Hopkins, um, all three of them with big question marks. Uh, Smith-Schuster in that Chiefs offense, he gets Sky Moore here, so he's doubling up on the uh, Chiefs pass catchers. But Traylon Burks, the rookie, DeAndre Hopkins, the suspension. You're still loving Team 11? Yes, I I mentioned it earlier. I think he went wrong when he took Akers. Not only did I not like the choice of Akers there, I'm curious perhaps if he was uh, – if he had his mind on Sutton and the guy jumped him on Sutton once, I, I don't know. But nevertheless, a receiver there before Smith-Schuster would have been the better play, and he could have escaped the dead zone, which I'm jumping in with Dave Turp and, and claiming the dead zone. And he could have just, you know, he would have likely been in play to pick up some of the other running backs down here that we were talking about. As far as his uh, wide receivers, um Great potential in Kansas City. And when Hopkins returns, this is a 17-week contest. Is that right, Balky? Yes, correct. When Hopkins returns, that's a good play. Um, we are through the ninth round, gentlemen. Ramondre Stevenson, one, uh, beg your pardon, two picks after Damian Harris goes at the 8-11. Ramondre Stevenson selected by John Paulson. Henry Muda pointing out in the chat room, we'll never know if Turner and Herbert were going to go after Stevenson and get the Harris-Stevenson uh, Patriots backfield there. Uh, Kenneth Gainwell instead goes at the 902. Cordero Patterson, the magic cord to Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarlane from uh, the fantasy football hustle. Uh, he goes at the 903. Brandon Ayuk to Steve Schatzel, followed by Robert Woods to Jim Coventry from Rotowire. Matthew Stafford, back to back quarterbacks for Chris Hammond. He goes Lance last round. He goes Stafford this round. Dawson Knox, the first tight end drafted by uh, JJ Zacharyson. Ken Walker, Kenneth Walker Jr., the rookie. From Michigan State to Larry Weinauer. Cole Komet, uh, I believe he is the first team, Scott Pianowski, that is, to double up on tight ends. Mark Andrews in the first, Cole Komet in the ninth. Chris Olave to James DeVito. Sky Moore, we just talked about to Alex Dunlap. Pat Fryermuth to John Terry to complete the ninth round. Terp, this is the question that everybody's been asking in the uh, in the chat room here. Would you have rather had Miles Sanders at the 710 or Kenneth Gainwell at the 902? Probably Gainwell at the 902. I think that's a little early for him. Mm-hmm. Probably neither of them. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I just think Jalen Hurts is he's good. He's still the goal line guy. I don't think that's going to change. Yeah, they're going to mix in some guys here and there, but I just Gainwell 902 is a little early for me. What's his ADP? Kenneth Gainwell in the FFPC best ball contest, according to Fantasy, Fantasy Mojo. I feel like that's early. It is early. He's normally going at the 1204. 
Yeah, so, I mean, he's been jumping up this week because, you know, the reports out of Philly, which are confirmed that he was getting some first-team reps. Miles Sanders is getting second-team reps. So, these pieces, these puff pieces that you see in the preseason, it's really hard to ignore them. But sometimes you have to because three rounds of ADP for Kenneth Gainwell, that's a massive, massive jump. Interp, the listeners, they're listening to you. They're making choices based on your expertise. Thank That's you. true. That's true. Um, Farrell, um, Trey Lance goes at, to Chris Hammond in the eighth round. Then he follows it up with Matthew Stafford there. What do you make of that Stafford selection, knowing that he did not have any other Rams on his team? It didn't create a stack. It just gave him a backup quarterback there. Mm, yeah, I think if you're going to draft Trey Lance, it's wise to draft another quarterback as soon as you can. Mm, now, why is that, Farrell? Can you explain that a little bit more? Well, we talked about this the other night, Balky. He's an okay. inexperienced player. It's an inexperienced player. Um, and much to my surprise, Dave uh, Dave thinks Debo Samuel takes a step back. Um, we're, we're putting a lot of uh, belief in uh, Brandon Ayuk, who's been a 55 and a 60 catch ball player for two years underneath a quarterback that um, doesn't have the spin rate of Trey Lance, but he certainly has the accuracy. Um, yeah, I, that yeah, I would want to have two. I and and I think there's better quarterbacks, perhaps still available, that can beat you with the feet. But you know, if you want a dual threat quarterback, go ahead and go around earlier and get get Jalen Hurts and and live with that. Uh, I don't understand. I, I don't understand an eighth round pick for a quarterback that is uh, unproven, such as Trey Lance. But it's it's the upside, right? If you're well, it's the upside of an unproven quarterback. But let me have the upside of Tom Brady, who threw for five thousand yards last year, <laughs> and you know I'll take that upside. Let me have the Dak Prescott upside, where our beloved uh, uh, C.D. Lamb and our uniquely and, and singularly loved uh, Ezekiel Elliott play. Uh, let me, uh, you know, let let's have that. Well, the argument there would be that the Lance drafter, which is Chris Hammond, already had George Kittle, but. Does, does the going naked quarterback trump the, the Lance selection there for you? Mm. If you were to go – like, if you were to go – now, he wouldn't have had the, the opportunity to take uh, Prescott or Brady. Um, but if he would have, is mm -hmm. that something that you would do? Farrell, let me – actually, this is the way I should be framing the question. Yeah. Are you, are you avoiding Debo Samuel and George Kittle, maybe Brandon Ayuk early, because you don't like the stack uh, of Trey Lance with those guys? Would you no, be avoiding – I like I like Samuel because with whatever success Lance has, he's going to need it from Samuel. Uh, I've already I've already identified the fact that I like uh, Dalton Schultz over Kettle, um, and and I want to return to the tight end conversation because I'm interested in your and Dave's opinion. But um, no, I very much like Samuel because uh, Lance is going to have to lean on somebody. That's this guy's going to lean on. And I also like Mitchell a great deal in this offense. I'm just not a Tri-Lance fan, and I could be proven wrong, uh, but there's there's going to have to be some catch-up work done in San Francisco by this young player. Guys, I, I've, I've walked sidelines before games. I've, I've hung out outside locker rooms. I've been around hotels of NFL players. It's very, very difficult when you don't have a resume and have a lot of responsibility on you. And uh, that's what Trey Lance has. That's what it looks like to me. He's got a lot of responsibility on him. 
It's a very, very uh, difficult job playing quarterback in the NFL, and uh, he hasn't played it in a while. He hasn't played it at a level like this, and I question uh, if he's going to have the success that his fantasy draft spot suggests that he has. The other thing, too, is now with with the the Niners seemingly turning the page on Garoppolo officially, officially, um, Lance could be heading up ADP, and if you were kind of on the fence of him, uh, with him, you probably are on the other side of it uh, right now. Guys, let's get through the 10th round here. Uh, Irv Smith, second consecutive tight end drafted by John Terry. He now has Friar Muth and Irv Smith. Melvin Gordon to Alex Dunlap. Rashad Penny off the board just about a half round after uh, Ken Walker's taken. Rashad Penny goes to James DeVito. A bunch of receivers here in the middle part of this round. Tyler Boyd to um, Scott Pianowski from Yahoo Sports. Russell Gage falls to the 10th round tonight. To Larry Weinauer, Chase Claypool and his banged up shoulder, although it's not supposed to be serious, will go to J.J. Zacharyson. Tyler Lockett to Chris Hammond, followed by Kirk Cousins. He's the second quarterback drafted by Jim Coventry. Justin Fields is the second quarterback drafted by Steve Schatzel. Garrett Wilson, the rookie receiver in the Jets organization, is the number five receiver drafted for the Fighting Chance Fantasy Fantasy Football Hustle podcast organization. Ronald Jones, fifth running back selected by Turner and Herbert. And Marquez Valdez-Gantling completing the 10th round here as he goes to John Paulson as his number three receiver. Let's talk about Paulson's team a little bit. We have not touched on it. Terp, I feel like I know what you're going to say here, but the dude has Cooks, Thielen, and Valdez-Scantling through 10 rounds, and he doubled up on quarterback. Lamar Jackson in the sixth, Aaron Rodgers in the eighth. I know this is probably not your preferred type of build. How could this work for Paulson? Anything can work. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I don't I, so you start off with Taylor and Fournette. You can't ask for a better start. It's a great start. Stevenson, love him this year. Big fan of him. But the Madison pick, you need receivers. You have two quarterbacks with no one with them. When if you look at all the other rosters in the, on the in the league so far, everybody is stacking. Team five got a double stack, a stack with Lance. We can keep going down the list. Yeah, you could probably pair up Aaron Rodgers late with Tanyan or Romeo. Or, you know, one of those guys, Lamar Jackson, I guess, with DuVernay. But I don't know. Keenan Allen, as a number one receiver, will never excite me. He's probably the guy that's been least talked about in any of the first three rounds so far. And then MVS, he has never shown it before. He's shown the big play upside. But, uh, I mean, I like him a lot this year. He's my second favorite Chiefs pass catcher behind Sky Moore. But too many questions on this team for me. Um, Farrell, uh, Chase Claypool tonight, I'll ask you about him because he normally goes at the 10.08, then he gets the um, shoulder injury, and then he goes up in ADP as he's drafted at the 10.06 tonight. This is overblown, right, that the Claypool thing, it's not serious. You should still be drafting him in the 10th round. That's what the coach said. And then there were the wise guys that came (laughs) – you know, across the media and on the podcast, it said, "Well, where did his medical degree came from?" Well, it came, <laughs> it it came from the trainer who's whispered in the ear. You know, we we examined him, and you know, it's not much of anything, and hold him out, and let it heal. Um, yeah, that that's that's a little bit. Uh, you're saying that this is about where he goes, right? In the middle of the tenth yes. round, or is the middle yep. of the ninth round, middle yeah, of the tenth. Yep. This is this player is a steal. 
He had an off year last year statistically, and he was frustrated in the red zone. Friar Muth got it. I, I'm sure buried in pro football focus, and we could unearth it somewhere. And I would challenge any of our great statistician quant listeners to, to come up with it. But how many PIs were drawn in the red zone or just totally last year uh, from NFL wide receivers? And I, I think that Claypool would be at the top um, for a variety of reasons uh, that had to do with the delivery of the ball from Roethlisberger. But uh, Claypool is is probably one of my favorite bounce-back candidates uh, for this year. And, you know, um, I will say this about Team 1, and, and, and I agree with everything Dave is saying. I'll give a tip of the cap to the drafter there after drafting uh, steady Eddie guys and Brandon Cooks, who is, is who's an all over the field receiver uh, for the Texans. He at least uh, when he did go to his fourth wide receiver, he got a guy that could be uh, just a just a incredible deep threat and explosive wide receiver in Kansas City. So it, at least he changed his mo for his wide receivers. Um, Terp, we, uh, Farrell, and I um, talked about. Uh, Russell Gage on on Friday night after the Julio Jones signing. How has uh, knowing that Jones going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? How has that affected your belief in in their production this season, specifically just with Gage and Jones? And what do you make of Gage here going tonight at the ten o five when he had been like a seventh or eighth round pick earlier? Keep drafting him. I think it's just a lot of smoke and mirrors right now. Uh, I'm not gonna trash Julio anymore. I mean, do, do I think he could put up you know a little bit of numbers? Yes, but he's a dust ball. I mean, Tom Brady got him, but he's nowhere close to the Antonio Brown signing of, you know, that Brady brought him in. Chris Godwin is not on the pup list, and everybody's moving him up draft boards. I still think there's a question, a little bit of question surrounding him. I don't think it's a slam dunk. Like, you saw Michael Thomas out there practicing, doing all that stuff. You haven't seen Chris Godwin that, out there yet. I still think he misses a couple games. I would not be surprised if he started the season on the pop list. I know that's not a popular take right now because people are starting to move Godwin up and it's Godwin and Mike Evans is falling to the third round for some crazy reason. But I'm good with Gage. I'm good where he's getting drafted right now. I have no problem drafting him again. There's a lot of you know good positive things in camp about him. The coach is coming out saying nobody can guard him. I know that they're what are they gonna say that he's been terrible, but <laughs> I like hearing that stuff. <laughs> So, uh, Tom Brady single-handedly picked him. So, 10th round with a guy that Brady wants with the questions at no tight end pretty much, and then the questions with Godwin and Julio being Julio, give me all the Russell Gage I can get. Um, Balky, I want to follow that up. And and, uh, Terp has been correct in calling these, you know, puff pieces, and I, I think that's what it might be. Nobody really knows what's going on anywhere yet until we put on some pads, which happens. Nope. It's all, I mean, you saw all week all the, you know, videos that have been, you know, circulating through Twitter of yeah. guys who have had, you know, my guy Traylon Burks literally everywhere on Twitter and how he's just killing corners and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. There's no pads on. These corners, you know, they're not really trying that hard. They don't want to get hurt early in camp. Let's see it when the pads start. Let's see it when the preseason. Let's watch preseason games yeah. and see how these guys do, and then we'll talk. Yeah, these guys are professional athletes, the greatest professional athletes in all of sport, and they're running around in their shorts. And, and it's hard. Like last year, you, you saw all the guys who got hyped up, 
and not that it you know is, is error proof, but most of these guys who get hyped up early in camp are just terrible draft picks. <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, um, let's get through the eleventh round here. Um, and a, a South Beach dream has died in the twelfth, so I want to get to that as well. But uh, the eleventh round, Alexander Madison, the fourth running back taken by uh, John Paulson, Derek Carr off the board. As Turner and Herbert waited till round 11 to draft their first quarterback, they get a good one in Derek Carr there. Rashad White, um, the rookie running back in Tampa to Drake and McFarland. Jahan Dotson, another rookie. He goes to Steve Schatzel here. Naheem Hines, fourth running back selected by Jim Coventry. Hunter Henry, second uh, tight end off the board uh, for Chris Hammond here at the 1106. Isaiah Spiller, another rookie. Wow, this is the rookie round. Uh, Isaiah Spiller to late round fantasy football, J.J. Zekarisen. Uh, Mike Gesicki to Larry Weinhauer as his second tight end. Tim Patrick, the Denver Broncos receiver. Uh, Scott Pianowski makes him his 1109 selection. Gerald Everett, another team doubling up on tight ends here. Uh, team 10, that's James DeBito. And then Jacoby Myers off the board to Alex Dunlap, followed by uh, the fifth rookie of this round, fourth rookie of this round. I think it was a fourth rookie. Fourth rookie of this round. Damian Pierce in Houston goes to John Terry. Um, so where do I want to take this first? Okay. Let's talk about Hunter Henry here, uh, Farrell, and I'm going to pitch this to you. Chris Hammond takes Hunter Henry at the 11.06 tonight. Now, what we do know about the Patriots offense is that we know very little about it, right? We think Matt Patricia's calling the plays. We don't know. We think Bill Belichick has an influence on it. We don't know. We think Hunter Henry's going to be the main pass-catching tight end there. We don't know. Um, what do you make of Hunter Henry here, who's fallen about a half round off his ADP, What's his role in New England going to be? And do you like him as tight end 14 in this draft tonight? Mm, sure, I do. 55 catches, six to eight touchdowns. Uh, there is there is talk about more of a 21 personnel and Johnny Smith appearing again. You know, Balky, we talk about following the money that Johnny Smith and Hunter mm -hmm. Henry proved that we don't need to follow it in New England. Right. Um, for fantasy football purposes, Hunter Henry was – somewhat reborn and we've got a last year and we've got a little bit of an uptick in the quarterback. I think he throws more than 22 touchdowns that he threw last year. I think he approaches 30 touchdowns and that's why Henry will try to, will likely fall in around the same numbers that he fell in this year. Terp, uh, Tim Patrick goes tonight um, roughly around, right around, around earlier than, than what his ADP is. Now, Liz Ballard, who we had on Friday night, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it yet, she loves Tim Patrick. She's been drafting Tim Patrick everywhere. Um, I And I should have pushed back on this a little bit, and I didn't, and I regret not doing it. But I look at that Denver team, Cortland Sutton, um, KJ Hamler, Jerry Judy, Albert Okuwepanaum. They drafted Greg Dulcich, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. I mean, all those guys are more than capable of catching passes. So why is Tim Patrick going in the 12th round on average, the 11th round tonight? How have you been handling Tim Patrick in your drafts very high ownership I mean I'm a big supporter of Denver this year Russell Wilson is by far my number one ranked quarterback I easily could see him finishing right up there with Josh Allen you know probably a little bit below the weapons are just ridiculous I mean a lot of people a lot of very smart people are hating on Jerry Judy this year a lot of people don't like him as you can see he's been falling it's a couple drafts we did last week fifth round to me, that's crazy because I'm, I'm a Judy guy. But Tim Patrick, he provides a lot to this team. Russell Wilson's never had a solid wide receiver three. Never. Okay. And now he has five, six weapons. 
if they let Russ cook like Seattle should have, I mean, this team's going to be really, really tough to stop. And, and Tim Patrick's a great, great value right now in drafts, especially in the best ball format. Well, he runs fantastic. He he runs fantastic routes. He has excellent hands, and when called on cold off the bench, he delivers, and he's earned it. Russell Wilson has never had a, a real third receiver like Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick's never had a Russell Wilson, and uh, <laughs> how fantastic it's going to be. I, I'm right there with you, Terp. Tim Patrick's way better in best ball than he is in, in redraft. Just because- I don't know. I think he could be more of a steady Eddie once the season starts. He could, he, but it's looking at to, him in the past, yeah, looking at him in the past, he had a little of that Tyler Lockett variance. But I think you've identified a player that you can count on week to week here. I think Carol, it's tough. I think as a flex option, he's going to be very, very difficult because you're going to see the ball getting spread around a lot more unless there's an injury. If there's an injury, then he's a, a smash. But with Sutton, with Judy, with Patrick, with the tight end. Hamler, I don't think he'll ever start, you know, in season long, but it's tough. It'll, he'll be, he's a way better best ball guy for me. Farrell, if, if Tim Patrick is a solid guy week to week in, in, in like the, you know, Kentucky main event, football guys, players championship, FFPC main event, anything like that. If he is a solid flex guy there, um, more uh, of a guy you can trust week to week, whose expense does it come at? Because I, I know a lot of people, I mean, people are drafting um, uh, Sutton and, and Judy quite a ways ahead of them. We know about the tight ends there. Whoever comes out as a starting tight end could be pretty viable. Who does Patrick take those targets away from, in your opinion? At the expense of Jerry Judy, but uh, the Denver Broncos have 100 to 120 more passes in them. Okay. All right. So that's that's where most Easily. Um, 12th round is complete, guys. Kenny Galladay was the first pick of the 12th round of John Terry. Matt Jones in New England goes to Alex Dunlap to back up Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Daryl Henderson off the board here. We have a Daryl Henderson sighting. He goes to James DeVito. Tyler Algeyer to Scott Pianowski to a Tunga Bailoa does not make it back to Drake and McFarland here at the third spot as Tunga Bailoa is backing up Dak Prescott for Larry Weinhauer. David Njoku, the second tight end drafted by J.J. Zacharies and Michael Carter off the board here is the number four running back for Chris Hammond. Julio Jones about two rounds, two rounds plus after Russell Gage. To Jim Coventry, Khalil Herbert is the uh, fifth running back chosen by Steve Schatzel. Rondale Moore to Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland. The Arizona receiver is their number six receiver there. And then out of the next, and I won't announce all the picks because we're going to come up on the end of the 12th round here. But out of the next seven picks starting here, six of them were tight ends. Massive tight end run. Tyler Higby to Jeremiah Turner and um, Chris Herbert here. And then you have uh, Robert Tunyon the final pick of the 12th round, backing up TJ Hawkinson for John Paulson. Terp, Rondale Moore, let's talk about him from, from McFarland here and uh, and Brian Drake. What does he do in Arizona? Is he the type of guy that maybe gets off to the fast start with the Hopkins suspension and then peters out, or is he a guy that has a role in this offense all year, in your opinion? I think he has a role in this all season. I'm a big fan of Rondale Moore this year. He's definitely somebody I'm overexposed compared to the field. I just think that without, you know, Chase Edmonds there, that, that's plenty of other opportunities that he wouldn't get before. I'm not the biggest James Conner guy, and obviously with Dondre Hopkins being suspended for the first couple games, I, I really think Moore's a guy that, for instance, two picks before, if you're going to line up on paper Julio Jones versus Rondell Moore in a best ball format, 
I'm taking Rondell Moore 1,000 out of 1,000 times. The upside is is immense, especially with spike weeks. What's be- What's the best you're getting with Julio Jones? Maybe a 18-point week once. You're going to get more two-point weeks than you are 18-point weeks. It's weird because, you know, Julio Jones, you look at him and what he's been in the NFL, you're like, oh, this is a guy that's going to thrive um, in between the 20s. The you know, name recognition is there, and that's what people well, are going to see, Julio Jones. Name recognition, but I just think of, like, the body type and what he's been able to do. If you have Evans on the other side. And he Julio looks like he Jones, got bigger. Well, and, and that could be, but he's never been a big touchdown guy in his career. He hasn't been. He's you not know? taken away from Mike Evans' targets. I'm just saying, like, when you have Evans on one side and Jones on the other side for defenses with Tom Brady trying to figure that out in, in the end zone, who do you roll the safety to? You know, I mean, because both of those guys are capable. However, Julio Jones doesn't have the track record of catching those 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 red zone touchdowns like Mike Evans does, which is weird, but it's that's factual. Um, you know, Julio, Julio Jones uh, last year, you'll remember the catch off the defender's helmet. I love that catch. You know, those won't be coming from Brady. How how fascinating it would be for Julio Jones actually to extend his hands and the ball will be there. When Julio Jones runs a pattern and turns and the ball is there, perfect timing from a, a talented quarterback. Yeah, I agree with the Rondell Moore upside. I, I would challenge um, the head coach, and I'm sure somebody else has. 1,000%. Uh, I'll challenge him too. It, I, it, I think that team's a disaster this year. You, you've got to get the ball to Rondell Moore, and, and they have never – utilized him correctly he runs mind-blowing the coach is an idiot he he runs he runs vertically to the offensive line uh he rarely lines up in the backfield you don't even get too many jet sweeps with him i don't know why they drafted the player if they're not going to utilize him he's a, a wonderful guy from here in louisville kentucky and we're all rooting for him uh I just don't see it. If not last year, why this year you say there's availability and opportunities because Watson's not there. Uh, I don't know. I, I just, it, it's, uh, it's not a player that I'm targeting in this draft. All right. So guys, let's, um, let's kick things off the 13th round. I talked about the, this tight end run and here's where it is. George Pickens to John Paulson at the 1301, uh, 1301, then four straight tight ends after we ended round 12 with two tight ends. Hayden Hurst goes to Turner and Herbert. They wait until round 12 to get their tight end, and then they go back-to-back, Higby and Hurst. Albert Okuwepanam to uh, Drake and McFarland. Noah Fant, uh, the tight ends that were traded for each other, go back-to-back in this draft. Noah Fant to Steve Schatzel, followed by Austin Hooper here at the 1305 to Jim Coventry. Michael Gallup off the board to Chris Hammond. Trevor Lawrence is backing up Kyler Murray for J.J. Zacharyson. Josh Palmer off the board uh, as the fifth receiver selected by Larry Weinauer. James Robinson to Scott Pianowski. Jameis Winston, there he is. We were talking about him earlier. He goes tonight to uh, James DeVito. Evan Engram off the board uh, at the uh, 1311 tonight to back up Darren Waller for Alex Dunlap. And then Daniel Jones uh, behind Justin Herbert. One thing uh, that was for uh, John Terry. One thing I think is worth pointing out here. Uh, George Pickens had an ADP of the 16th round. We saw the video this week of him uh, making mincemeat of the Steelers secondary uh, on a big touchdown in practice. Farrell, he jumps up uh, about three and a half rounds tonight. George Pickens to John Paulson here at the 1301. 
Should we be a believer in Pickens? Not necessarily because of that play, but should we be a believer in Pickens in redraft leagues like this, like the FFPC best ball tournament as well? Uh, that was that was drafted by a pro, right? The Joes won't draft him that that high. They'll <laughs> have to. The Joes will have to see him do something before moving him that high. In our previous conversation uh, about more, I've got. I, I meant to say Hopkins when I said Watson. I've got Watson on my mind because the NFLPA. Uh, just released a statement about the upcoming uh, judge's decision on that ball. Tomorrow. I texted it to you. Uh, the um, it, it, it sounds as if the if the players' association feels that that he'll be playing some this year. Um, it, it, look, this is this is the perfect puff piece uh, up push for Pickens. Yeah, Pickens. Uh, the best thing you can say about what Pickens has done so far is his teammates really respect him. And, uh, you know, we're talking about upside. If this drafter believes in him, why not? You could have got him later. Uh, there's no reason not to have him on your roster. Don't draft him in the 13th round. All right, guys, let's bring him in uh, right now. He's our first guest tonight. You hear him on the weekend on the Roto, uh, Rotowire NFL Series XM Fantasy Football Show. He's the host of that. He's the defending champ of the Kings Classic, and he is here joining us tonight. You follow him on Twitter at Jim Coventry NFL, drafting out of the five hole tonight. It is Jim Coventry. Jim, welcome into the broadcast, man. Hey, thanks for having me, everyone. And my eyes will be diverting a little bit as I'm looking at draft boards, but I'm excited to be with you guys. Right, well, we're excited to have you, for sure. And you had to be excited to see Justin Jefferson at the 105 tonight. Was was he in your plans at all as a possibility? Stunned. I had him listed, and I laughed. I go, yeah, right, 105. He showed <laughs> up, and you guys would have crucified me if I had not gotten him because I am super high on Delvin Cook this year because they're going outside zone, less hits, easier hits, skill set match, robust screen game. So Cook was my guy, but there's no way you're passing on Justin Jefferson, right? No, I, Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's really, really good. We talked about uh, Higgins versus Chase this year. Are you also of the belief that the, the, um, the difference between their outputs this year is maybe not as big as most people think it is, and, and that's why you went with Higgins in the mid-second? For sure. They're co-alphas. They're both dynamic receivers. Higgins started out slow last year. His shoulder was hurt. He, he, he did not have a good start to the season. But then you saw when teams would like spend too much attention on Chase, Higgins got his. They'll go back and forth. And in the best ball league, love it because, you know, Chase will go off some weeks, Higgins others. But they both have a floor, too. And, and you follow that up with James Conner. You get Elijah Mitchell, so your, your backfield's taken care of there. Um, Terp was talking about earlier the, the target volume that Darnell Mooney is going to see this year. Um, are you of the same belief that, that maybe it's not the greatest offense in the world, but the fact that he sees all this volume there from Justin Fields, that makes him a solid pick in the mid-fifth? It is huge. The volume and we saw last year, I think we thought Mooney was a situational deep threat when he came out. And last year he showed he was so much more. They were using him at all levels of the field. And late in the season, teams were keying on him and he was still playing well. So wheels up on Darnell Mooney. It's a really hard worker. I hear, you know, from people in their camp, but it shows. And he's becoming a better player by the year. Jim, you've drafted in this uh, pros versus Joes before. Have you have you ever set yourself up like, okay, I, I really would like to have two tight ends by this point of the draft. I'd really like to have two quarterbacks at this point of the draft. How do you look at your you – know, and I know the draft has to come to you, but how do you set up your team construction going into this? 
So you're correct. You know you need multiple tight ends. And I know I want I really wanted one by the 11th round. And then the way the draft board fell, and I know you guys don't like Julio so much, and I get that. <laughs> but um, you know, a quick note on Julio. I don't think the Bucs would have pursued him if they felt he wasn't healthy. And he he seems to be past those hamstring issues. And they're gonna limit his snaps. But they're going to be high leverage snaps. And they're with Tom Brady. Mike Evans is going to be getting heavy coverage. Godwin will. So Julio's going to see the lightest coverage of his career. And then you guys talked about the red zone. Matt Ryan was great at seeing Julio get bracketed and then say, okay, I got another guy open. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady's going to have Julio in single coverage in the closed red zone. Mike Evans is a great red zone receiver. But if Julio's single covered, you know what I mean? Not too bad. Anyway, it's a late pick. It's late in the draft. Not going to, you know, make or break. But that said, but the tight ends, you're correct. Wanted to get a couple of them. Didn't want two Titans on my team. Didn't want Woods <laughs> and Hooper. But, but you know, one of them could have on and off success while the other doesn't do a whole lot. So maybe having both of them as much as I didn't like that, Hooper has been a top five tight end. Now it was back in the days with Matt Ryan. And then he was in a three tight end mess in yeah. Cleveland. But you know what? Ryan Tannehill probably is going to like him as a tight end. All right, so let me ask you this, and this is something that, that I think I've touched on in previous Pros versus Joe's broadcast. You obviously get the Burrow um, T. Higgins stack, right? You yes. get Kirk Cousins as well. But now all of a sudden you find yourself not only with Robert Woods, but as you just alluded to, Austin Hooper. Does that make you likely to grab Ryan Tannehill later in this draft, or does that not affect what, you, what you're building up for your squad here? I was thinking of taking riskier quarterbacks like a Justin Fields, maybe a Trey Lance, but because Burrow and Cousins, Cousins has the new offense, they're going to be pass heavy. So I'm expecting there to be so much pass volume. I'm not taking a third quarterback. I wanted one, but not with those two guys. I, I If I lose because of those two guys, I live with that. Jim, I, I think the jewels of your draft are your later running backs. That's what I really like here. Edmonds, Hines, and Marlon Mack. What do you perceive for Marlon Mack? I, I, obviously, you, you've watched Hines and, and Mack play their days at, at Indianapolis. Uh, is he going to take that job down in Houston? Is he going to be the guy? You know, I would expect he would. Damian Pierce didn't have great measurables coming out. Mac is another year removed from the Achilles. Maybe he's got something. But the one thing I really like, Warren Sharp does his schedule analysis, mm-hmm. and he projects Houston to have a very, very favorable schedule against the run. And, and that is a big deal to me. And it makes sense here. You're coming up now. And, and by the way, Jim, you're getting some love in both the Facebook and YouTube chat for, for the back half of your draft so far. Not, I don't know what that says about your first half. We like your, but people are talking up your second, your, 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 your um, second half of your draft. You were just on the clock here in the 16th round. Tell us a little bit about why you decided to take this player here. You know, Jamison Crowder misses time now and again, but he goes to Josh Allen. Talk about an upgraded slot. We love Manny Sanders and, and we love Cole Beasley. But Jamison Crowder is a beast in the slot, right? And the way Josh Allen throws to the middle of the field, when Crowder's healthy, there's a good chance he sees a good target share. So, again, in this format, if I don't have to pick the week he goes off, I kind of like that. Um, Jim, final question for you before we let you get back to drafting. We were talking about Miles Sanders uh, in the Eagles running back situation earlier. Um, I believe anybody who follows you uh, or Rotowire on YouTube knows that you might have a, an interesting take on this, or at least a strong take on Miles Sanders and his uh, 2022 outlook. 
Yeah, so with Miles Sanders, what we often do is we look at yards per carry, and it's been impressive in his career. But what the thing is with the coaching staff, he's not consistent. He still bounces too many runs to the outside, doesn't always follow the blocks, and that has gotten his snap share. He played 12 games in two straight years. We've seen his um, touch share go way down. And that tells me the coaching staff is not buying into him as a consistent option. So therefore, Miles so Miles Sanders is in trouble. Kenny Gainwell showed very well as a receiver, maybe not as good as a runner as I thought. I think Gainwell gets the receiving part, and he has a good chance, if he shows consistency, to take work from Sanders on early downs. Uh, we follow you on Twitter at Jim Coventry NFL. We listen to you on Sirius XM Fantasy on the weekends as part of the Rotowire broadcast. And good luck defending the belt in the Kings Classic this year, man. It. Uh, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. We'll follow that as well, and we'll check you out uh, everywhere you are found on the interwebs. Jim Coventry, thank you so much for joining the broadcast tonight. Good luck in all your leagues this year, including Pros versus Joe's tonight, man. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate your work, all you do, and and thanks for running this thing. You got it, Jim Coventry, oh, ladies on. and gentlemen. Good stuff there on uh, on on his Miles Sanders take turf. I think he makes some sense here with with a lot of the stuff that he said. Hundred percent. I mean, it's just you see the writing on the wall. Like you say, follow the money. They didn't give him. A, he got zero. I keep going back to zero touchdowns. Like I know, like <laughs> people say it's an outlier, but if they like the guy that much, they would give him that 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 work around the goal line. But they're finding other ways. Boston Scott, Gainwell. I mean, they have so much money invested elsewhere that I just think Gainwell is the better pick this year. And I That's- love Miles Sanders, the player. But, and baby, you yeah. are sticking with it. That's why I'm proud of you. You talk about sticking with something, Balky. Team number six. I, I didn't catch the Joe's name. Who's drafting team number? That's six. Chris Hammond. Chris Hammond. Chris Hammond. Congratulations to you. Your draft from rounds 13 through 16 at wide receiver is stunningly impressive. Congratulations. It is really good. It is really good. And and it was Michael. I don't Gallagher. know if I would ever call Marvin Jones thoroughly impressive. Well, I mean, you know, but thoroughly impressive for a 15th round pick, though, sir. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, you know, he, every year he catches more balls than Brandon Ayuk. Um, We're going to find a bet on that year. one coming up. <laughs> well, no, you, you've been you've been wanting to talk about the past, about Miles Sanders. So let's take a page from the past and dust off those numbers. And we don't need to worry that. about the past anymore. It's the future with Trey Lance. Yeah, we not the should. Old guy, we Jimmy should. And you know, the future in Jacksonville looks brighter, especially if you take this player last year. Balky, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it was 70 catches out of that mismatch in Jacksonville. I like Marvin Jones. I'm only playing with that one. Okay. Well, don't play. Like, this is very important stuff here. I mean, you know, this, people are people – are, you can't be nice all up the time. More FFPC teams when they say, nice "Oh, I got to get some more." I don't need anybody's team, really. You know, you know what's crazy is, um, so so you look at what Marvin Jones did. Now, I'm trying to think, guys. Um, was who was the quarterback in Detroit? Um, in 2019, that was that was pre golf, right? I mean, it wasn't yeah. anybody good. A Duke's mixture of quarterbacks in Detroit. Oh, was it Stafford? Yeah, it was Stafford. Yeah, yeah. okay. When Stafford wasn't available. Right. Okay. So, so in 2019, 62 for 779 and nine touches for Jones. 2020, se- this is with, um, I, again, with Stafford, 76 for 978 and nine touchdowns. And then he goes to Trevor Lawrence last year, still 73 for 832, only four touchdowns. So you can make the case that maybe Marvin Jones doesn't have the highest ceiling in the world in, in round 15, but certainly you could do a lot worse there.
the argument against yeah. Marvin Jones there is you don't want a steady guy as he has been the last few years. You'd want to go with an up more of an upside guy. Christian Watson, who who went in that round, would be an example of that. Um, Jamison Williams, the unknown. Paris Campbell is getting a lot of hype right now. Um, I want to take it back to the 14th round here, guys, and talk about a guy who's in was in the news again today, Deshaun Watson. Um, there was um, a report out that there could be a decision made on Watson tomorrow. Um, we've heard anywhere between two and eight games. I have not read anything that it's going to be a full season suspension. But, Farrell, how would you handle a guy like Deshaun Watson? Are, are you going to do what Drake and McFarland did tonight and take him in the 14th round like the FFPC best ball ADP would dictate? Would he go higher for you? Would would he, Is he off your board? How do you handle a player like him in his unique situation right now? I think Turp might agree with me with this. And, and our football guys in main event teams, we often go one quarterback. When I'm going to go one quarterback, I'll go ahead and let a spot. If I can get a Watson in the in, – double-digit rounds, 14th, 15th round, I'll go ahead and pay for that second quarterback and and, and carry him on my roster and, and, and hope. Uh, the good thing about it is the we're going to know. We're going to know soon. And, and people that have kept him um, on their uh, dynasty rosters are going to be very, very much rewarded. But when we learn how much he's going to be available, that's what's going to be fascinating about how all the other Cleveland Browns move around the board especially at the wide receiver position, their number two uh, wide receiver, especially. Um, Terp, um, Christian Watson recovering from a knee scope, um, no timetable on his return, um, but it sounded like it was a precautionary thing, something that was bothering him in OTAs and they wanted to get it taken care of now. Um, in, and this is as close as Romeo Dobbs goes at the 1701 Christian Watson tonight at the 1504. It's as close as I can recall seeing these players go together. How do you handle Watson and Dobbs now, especially with all the plays Dobbs has been making in Green Bay? I'm hoping Watson opens the season on the pop list so I can get out of the bed I made like an idiot. Um, but Romeo Dobbs, since you told me, I, I've asked you this question multiple times on this show, to pick a receiver, I've drafted him pretty much in every single draft since then. He's been free most of the time. The last couple, last week or so, he's been moving up. But for the 17th round on a team with Aaron Rodgers that – Stop talking about Alan Lazard. These people that keep <laughs> sixth round Alan Lazard, stop. Alan Lazard is a solid, solid second receiver. Fine, I'm good with that. But he's going to be facing the Jalen Ramseys of the world and the, and the other top corners in football. He is not going to set the world on fire this year. He's Even no Chief, Marvin Jones. All he's here. no. He's he is definitely no. He is definitely no. Malky, Marvin what Jones. can you tell us about the receiver Winfrey at Green Bay? Yeah, not much. Um, yeah. there, there's, I know he made some plays last year, but by and large, the only, the biggest run he got was in that Week 18 Detroit game when mm -hmm. basically all the starters sat. That's yeah. when he got the majority of his production on. He's been good in practice, from what I've heard. Um, but I, I, I think he's sort of just a guy as far as mm -hmm. fantasy goes. I would not be drafting even in like I, the the 28 round best balls. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't be taking Winfrey. I made a statement uh, last week that that their last show that dubs um, was different than all of the other uh, Packer receivers. Uh, but I was wrong because he, I think he and Winfrey are very much uh, similar in their physicality. And uh, my, my fear with dubs is it's a Marshall situation from Carolina last year. You see him in a preseason game, he goes nuts. Then he starts getting up in like the ninth, 10th, 11th round drafts. 
And then yeah. there's so many questions. I don't know if I can I can justify him getting that high. Yeah. By the time late August, early uh, September rolls I don't, around. I, I don't think he will, uh, but uh, did you Balky think Marshall was gonna get up there last year? All right, okay, so fair Monkey and I were not Marshall guys. All right, no, before. so I no, unfortunately it, was. <laughs> and you weren't alone, Turf. There's plenty of people like that. But Farrell, I'm gonna make the case here for, for Dobbs ascending. What happens if he starts making plays in the preseason? What happens if Watson is is still out? We're not going to see a whole lot. At least I don't think we'll see a whole lot of Lazard. Yeah. And when people start drafting to, oh, my goodness, it's the ninth round. I got to start swinging for the fences here. Maybe Dobbs will be the number one this year. Obviously, none of us three think the chances are good of that happening. But somebody out there might. And I'm with Turf at that point. It's like you're you're drafting him probably above his ceiling. I'm not on board with that. But no. right now, tonight, 17th round, get your shares of him now. You A hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah, and, and, and he's a steal. We were draft we were drafting him back in in January at the um, at the Super Bowl draft. It, he is uh, the reason he won't ascend like Marshall did. Marshall, you know, look at their history, and this kid will always have Nevada Reno next to his name, and and, and people will look at that and they'll say, you know, but he also has Aaron Rodgers next to his name now. <laughs> yeah, he does, but so does all the other receivers there. I just, if you're going to say that, you will say, where does he fall on the depth chart? Let's draft the other guys. I, I just, yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that he ascends like Marshall or like Tolbert has this year. Uh, even though you're thinking, Balky, that he could be in the same situation early that Tolbert is that he could be a starting receiver for this team. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, entirely, yeah. I mean, yeah. like right now, what are you, what are you trotting out there in three wide receiver sets? And we know the Packers use a lot of them, although Matt LaFleur has used fewer of them because he loves those, 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 uh, the, the tight ends on his roster. But well, I mean, it's the only sure thing. Well, it's, and, and I would imagine Cobb would probably be out there as well. But, I mean, um, yeah, we'll have to call two packer and he'll tell us that Randy is the sure thing. Randy Cobb. Yes. The mm-hmm. new forgotten man in green Bay. Um, guys, let's talk about, let me see if I want to bring this up here. And I think I do. I'm just checking one thing here before I, so, okay. All right. Turp. Um, round 16 here. I think it was Jarek McKinnon, third straight running back drafted by JJ Zacharyson here. He gets Jamal Williams, Brian Robinson, and then he takes Jarek McKinnon. Is McKinnon the answer there? Oh, it, it, the answer at chiefs running back, given the value that you can get with him, as opposed yeah. to what you have to give up for Clyde Edwards, Alaire and Ronald Jones. I like the other two better, but mm-hmm. there's so many questions with these three. I mean, do I think one player will emerge? I, I don't. I think it's just going to be a hot hand type of approach. I know Andy Reid likes to settle on a guy, but I just don't think they have that guy. CEH has shown you nothing. I know he was injured last year. He had some issues, but he started off camp with some issues this year. I know he's back off the pup list. and He's practicing now. Ronald Jones has always been flashy, but – can't really catch the ball. McKinnon can do all that stuff, but he's also a guy that's been – I mean, they brought him back late in, in camp. I mean, is he really going to ever – he looked good in the playoffs last year. Let me let me get that out of the way right now. So McKinnon will be the guy that I would take the shot on late with the draft capital. I'm not taking CEH and looks like sixth round he went. No, no thank you. Farrell, uh, let's talk about the Arizona backfield. James Conner had a great season last year, and I think there's a lot of people out there that would tell you part of the reason he had such a great season was because he had a guy like Chase Edmonds not forcing Conner to be on the field for 70 80% of the snaps and kept him healthy the majority of the season. 
Chase Edmonds is in Miami now. Daryl Williams not only has moved from Kansas City to Arizona, he has moved into the 17th round selection for Fighting Chance Fantasy and the Fantasy Football Hustle podcast in Brian Drake and Dwayne McFarland. Is Daryl Williams primed for a, J, uh, beg your pardon, a Chase Edmonds-like year this year, given what we saw with him in Kansas City last year? Uh, the potential's there, and um, he follows in line with what they expect at the running back position. It's a team that that um, uh, those are the that's the position that I want to be in business with uh, mm. on the Arizona Cardinals. And okay. and yeah, I would in this format especially, I'd like to have both those guys. It's definitely the number one training training camp battle that I'm watching probably more than any because mm-hmm. I don't have much James Conner. So one of these guys, if I don't have James Conner, is going to be valuable. So it's just a question of who looks better, who's getting the coach speak. I think it's going to be Darrell Williams, but it could be Benjamin. I mean, I think they drafted the rookie Ingram. One of those guys is going to be a fantasy focus this year. It's just a question of which one because it's really unknown at this point. It's probably one of the battles I'm watching more than any other. Um, Terp, David Bell tonight, the uh, the rookie – receiver who is in Cleveland Browns camp. I'm looking for my saw him earlier being selected. Okay. Yeah, here he is. So he goes tonight at the 16, uh, 1609 to Steve Schatzel. Donovan Peoples Jones then goes about a little over a half round later at the 1706 to Chris Hammond. Let's say for the sake of this conversation, they're both roughly going at the same spot. Which one do you like better in this format? Is it DPJ or is it DB? Right now, it's really hard to make that statement because the Sean Watson news is just so big when it comes right. to them. Right. Uh, if you're going to ask me if Jacoby resets a quarterback for eight games, I think it's Bell. Okay. I just don't think he can get you know Donovan Peoples Jones, who I think is the better player. If Sean Watson gets two, three, four games, that makes Donovan Peoples Jones a better player. Um, I. It's really hard for me to make a statement on that right now because I don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. It all depends on what is suspension. This is a perfect situation where I feel like you don't want to be trying to go heavy on one guy too much before the suspension comes out mm-hmm. because Jacoby Brissett could be a complete disaster for eight weeks and these picks could be that and these these picks could be worthless. Um I, I Farrell and I have talked about Velas Jones Jr. in Chicago. You talked about the, the big target volume for Darnell Mooney uh this year, Terp. Now, Jones ends up being selected tonight at the 1802 by Alex Dunlap as he's loading up on receivers. I believe that's his ninth receiver in 18 rounds. What about Velas Jones this year in Chicago, or is Mooney the only pass catcher you're interested in there from, from the wide receiver standpoint? Mooney's definitely the leader by a large margin, but in this, in this type of format, when you're talking about the 19th, 18th, 20th round, guys like Jones, guys like Pringle, or guys you got to take a shot on, it's another camp battle. It's very, very something I'm watching because it's pretty much Mooney and, and the three of us out there right now. It's just a question of who emerges, who gets that. The target share is there. It's just who's going to take it. And there's a lot of journeymen. There's a lot of guys who are younger players who might not be ready for the light yet. They're going to be thrown out there really quickly in the preseason. If they can build a rapport with Justin Fields, I mean, Jones is definitely the type of guy that I'm watching, especially early in the preseason. Uh, Farrell, let's talk about team two here um, drafting tonight. It's the FFPC Joe tandem of Chris Herbert and Jeremiah Turner. They went heavy on those receivers right away, obviously with Cup, Samuel Evans, and then Judy. 
first four picks. They get Alan Lazard in the sixth, and then they've really, really centered in on the running backs, the tight ends. They get a couple of, a, a couple three, as we would say, uh, mm-hmm. here in Northeast Wisconsin. Carr, Matt Ryan, and, and Baker Mayfield. Um, so what do you make of that approach, going receiver heavy in this format and then pounding out the running backs and tight ends? Is that something – is that an approach that you've tried and had any kind of success with? I, I'm so elated when I have a little bit of rare success, Balky, that I don't know how in the hell I got there. I just kind of <laughs> celebrate it. But, you know, these – no matter where you get the players, the order that you get the players in – is not as particularly important as, as to who the players are. And, and here they've drafted players that we admire at every position. Uh, we all three agree that Ronald Jones in the 10th round is one of the guys to have in Kansas City. McKissick will continue to do what McKissick does. Terp said it earlier. I'm a big Mostert fan in this format. He's perfect. Uh, look at the value they got. Uh, I would have peppered in another receiver um, in, instead of this third quarterback. But uh, all in all, these guys these guys are fine. I don't – I'm not big on Hayden Hurst. Uh, I think there would be a better opportunity, uh, one being Brevin Jordan. And, uh, you know, you could, uh, you, could, you could hope that by buying the lottery ticket that Logan Thomas somehow stays healthy, uh, that that would be – if you're going to have three tight ends, that might be a better upside than Hayden Hurst. Well, speaking of three tight ends, uh, Terp, uh, Trey McBride ends up getting uh, selected tonight at the 1806, uh, beg your pardon, to J.J. Zacharyson. He already had Dawson Knox and David Njoku. How good of a late-round dart throw is is McBride when you consider he's behind Zach Ertz? Hopkins is going to be back about a month and a half into the season. Marquise Brown, Rondale Moore, A.J. Green, a lot of pass catchers there. I know you don't like Arizona. Does this affect the Trey McBride selection as well as something that you would not be in, want to be in business with? I wouldn't do it, but it's a good upside pick for for right there. I mean, Zach Ertz is getting up there in age. I mean, he's not error-proof when it comes to injuries and just lack of production. I know he, he came on last year when he got traded and, and things were good good in Arizona. And a lot of people think that's going to, you know, continue this year, especially with Hopkins out. But McBride's got a lot of positive press in camp. I think it's a, a perfect dark throw later in the, in the draft. It's not for me because I'm not the biggest Arizona supporter this year. I know I'm a no. minority when it comes at, but if it's not Rondell Moore, I'm not really in on Arizona this year. Farrell, we talked earlier, uh, you and me and Terp, about the Eagles' backfield. We talked about Miles Sanders. We talked about Kenneth Gainwell. We did not talk about Boston Scott. Maybe you mentioned him, but I, I know I did not. He just Boston. won't go away. Right, right. So Boston Scott, and he wouldn't go away in this draft because he was the 19th-round selection by Chris Hammond here as his number six running back. So Farrell, what kind of value if you're, if, if for somebody who's viewing this, who's going to be drafting in the FFPC best ball tournament or, or the football guys players championship, what kind of value does Boston Scott have this year? He's going to score twice for you, both times against the New York giants. He's Thank just, you. He, you know, and, and it's, it's fantastic. He is the giant killer. That, and, he won't and go anyone, away. Right. If anyone recognizes him as that, you know, he's uh, And he has deserved, you know, he has earned and deserves a bigger role in this offense. And that's one of the one of the dangers of having the other two guys and paying full value for them is that somebody may determine that, hey, Boston Scott deserves more. And if he gets it, I think he'll be successful. And he's a very good football player. It's just another reason not to be in love with Miles Sanders. They brought Boston. Boston Scott was a free agent. They brought him back. 
they they could have just went with some rookies or some you know other free agents that they could have brought in. They decided yeah, well, to you, bring him back. You got a good player, keep the good player. You know, it. it he's definitely a serviceable player. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would classify him as a good player, but he's a yeah, solid good player. Eight touchdowns, eight touchdowns last year. Chirp, that's good. Which player. is crazy if you really think about it. And I still go back to Miles Sanders at zero. Mm-hmm. Guys, speaking of uh, the NFC East, speaking of the Giants, Matt Breida here goes in the 19th round to Larry Weinauer, um, who had Saquon Barkley as well. So he conceivably, you would think, has the top two running backs for the Giants locked up. Now, as Broward Bravado just brought up in the YouTube chat, the Giants actually worked out Devontae Booker, their old friend, and maybe he could come back. I'm guessing, Terp, that if that is the case, it sounds like the Giants probably aren't you know, loving Matt Breida as their backup running back. It's interesting because I love going with the Jeff Wilson's another good example. I love going with these guys that are one injury away from a guy who's been hurt a lot, but maybe Matt Breida because of his own injury history, the fact that they're bringing in Booker, you should probably look elsewhere in the 19th round. What, what do you He's definitely one of the handcuffs that I just have no interest in. Okay. I mean, if Barkley goes down, that team's going to be a disaster. I mean, I don't, I don't see, they're working out Booker, like you said. That doesn't mean that they're in love with Breed. Breed has never had, you know, the best injury history. I guess you can really not, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world here, but I'd rather take a shot on a Tyler Batty or somebody like that with a little bit more upside than than Breed. Um, Farrell, in one of the – I can't remember which one, but one of my Kentucky uh, Fantasy Football State Championship draft masters that completed a week or so ago – um, my last round pick, I beg your pardon, wasn't my last round pick. It was one of my last round picks. Devin Duvernay is who, is who I selected. Mm-hmm. Now, he was a guy that I drafted in the third round of, of rookie drafts, uh, his rookie season in a lot of spots, because I felt like he was the type of guy that, that could not only be a deep threat, but was polished enough to, to catch the underneath stuff uh, in Baltimore as well. One year later, I, I'm a lot less bullish on that. However, he's still being selected. No Marquise Brown in Baltimore. How would you rate Devin Duvernay as a last-round dart throw in the pros versus Joe's FFPC best ball tournament? Well, yeah, you assume that some opportunity is going to be there. However, that position has never been fantasy relevant in Baltimore, nor did I expect it to be relevant uh, with Duvernay. So I'm going to do something where the ball is uh, – I'm going to pair my – wide receiver with a passer, not a thrower. And that's where I'm going to go get my third or fourth receiver. So I, w- I would skip Duvernay. And I hope I'm proved wrong because I, I think he's uh, I, I think he's an excellent player. He's, he's got a little dog in him, which you have to be to play in Baltimore offense as a wide receiver because you got to be ready to block somebody. I, I want to return, guys. You know, earlier uh, last week we talked about there are always young running backs that come to the top during the preseason. Uh, Corbin, the running back out of Florida State, undrafted free agent with the New York Giants, is, is my guy in that backup position. And and when they when they work out players like Devontae Booker, what they're what they're doing, especially if they let him out of the building, don't sign him, what they're doing is they're they're getting their sheet together, their depth, their their quick call list to make sure that somebody's healthy and can get on the field and clear the physical quickly if, if they lose someone in, in camp. Yep. Uh, Devin Duvernay's uh, real-life teammate, James Prochet, is drafted tonight as Mr. Irrelevant by John Paulson from 4 for 4. Uh, and that will complete the draft tonight. Guys, I know we talked about teams 10, 11, and 12 early. A lot of stuff has happened since then. 
I'll just give you a, a, both the floor and Terp will start with you. Final thoughts on this draft. I know they start to blur together after a while, um, but is there anything that stands out? Favorite picks, least favorite picks, favorite teams, least favorite teams, Terp, when, when you look at this and, and, and try to figure out who the ultimate winner will be out of these 12 teams to cash that 2023 FFPC main event entry. Team three is my favorite. I really like what they did, the structure of the team overall, getting pits, you know, getting McCaffrey obviously falling the three and then just stacking receivers, mixing in some running backs that, that, that fit the upside build. I also like what team 10 did. They're probably my two favorites at, at a, out of all these rosters. There's not any teams here that I actually could say are really terrible. I usually try to pick one and just get the clickbait ready just in case they win the league and they can come back and make fun of me. <laughs> but this is a pretty solid draft overall yeah, compared to some of the other ones we've done. But real quick before you, you go to Frout, Team 11, the first, the start, I don't like it at all. But No, you don't. No, I don't like Henry and I don't – Akers, like we said, we've all agreed. Right. Should have been a receiver there, but Sutton might have been a, you know – a thought or, or Mike Williams, but they recovered really, really well with the stack in Kansas city. My guy, mm-hmm. Trey Lombergs, I think you just get to Hopkins coming back. This team looks a lot different. So, I mean, they definitely, as the draft went on, got a lot better. Yeah. I like their pick of Gordon. I like their pick of Tolbert. Uh, I, I thought upside with those guys, I, I thought towards the end, uh, they got in a little bit of trouble. Uh, I don't like their bottom five players, but um, all in all, uh, yeah, that that team's a little bit of mystery. It's hit and miss for me. But I, I uh, the Acres pick might come back and bite them. Yeah, and that's it's the top picks that make the difference. And, and yeah, I, did, I didn't care for the Acres pick. I agree with you at team number three. However, I would have liked one earlier running back perhaps in there because. You know, if you lose McCaffrey on this team, then how do you like it? You lose. Not much. Yeah, you, if you draft McCaffrey. Yeah, you lose you're McCaffrey, good. you're done. But, but I feel you like know what? We have, a, we have a guy here that won our championship this past year, Mr. Steve Hawley, that won a major contest. Oh, yeah. Uh, a $250,000 national contest once, Terp. He had the 1-1. One, one. He drafted uh, David Johnson. And lost David Johnson and continued to yeah. win the national contest. So I don't believe if That's you lose impressive. your first, yeah, I don't That's believe if you lose your first storm. round draft pick that you're done. So I wouldn't say you get, you're in a lot of trouble. You know, but, well, like yeah, kind of but you're not in a lot of trouble if you know how to draft. That's why we have 20 spots. You know, it, yeah. it's uh, some you know James Robinson and C.D. Lamb took a lot of players to the. Uh, to the championship a few years ago, and they were drafted in the ninth and tenth round, respectively. James Robinson sure did. It was and it was Robinson, or I forget the other guy who was who was the other guy. Uh, a couple years ago or last year? No, when James Robinson was the rookie running back, that it was Fournette, wasn't it? No, it was him or Fournette was released. The guy got he, he had some illness or right. something like at that. The end? Oh, um, yeah, it was. Um, oh, this is this. I'm looking it up right now. Um, not Ramondre Stevenson. It was um, no. <laughs> um, it's on the tip of my tongue. I remember this guy, Mikewell <laughs> Whoever, Armstead. Armstead. That's yeah, there you go. Those that two picks separated so many people in drafts because mm-hmm. the the press was never there, and James Robinson was getting drafted. I think in double digit rounds at that mm-hmm. point, and people were drafting him one or the other. And if you drafted Armstead, you were in big trouble against the teams that drafted Robinson. Sure. That was a big equalizer in, in that year. 
Um, the big equalizers on this show, Farrell Elliott and Dave Terpoli. You check out Farrell's uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at KFFSC.com. Check out Terp on Twitter, at Dave Terp. Farrell, um, main event for um, Kentucky rolling on here, both mm. with slow and live drafts, right? Yeah, we've sold a lot of spots. As uh, you know, and, and, and Terp joining us here, uh, and me joining you and Terp on the show, it's been eight days. It's been eight days where we've constantly gone to KFFSC.com to find if Terp has selected a team. The answer still is no. Eight days of no from Dave One Terp. of these years wanted, you're going to get me. It might be this I, year. I wanted to thank everyone for joining in. Uh, we are geographically closest uh, of all the three guests uh, to the Tennessee Titans and one receiver, Burks. So if you want to uh, come down here, Terp, or if you want to play online, it's KFFSC.com. We'd love to have you. And not just Terp. Uh, anybody can go to KFFSC.com. Yeah, but I figure when Terp gets here, more people will come. That's so true. So we want to talk yeah. very, very quickly about Terp. If, if you get the Terp, the people will come. Exactly. That's, 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 that's a saying. One of Leroy Carson's all-time favorite people. Yeah, oh, absolutely, for sure. Mm. Um, the two-a-day slow is filling right now. The next uh, live event will be uh, this coming Sunday night at 9 o'clock. Hey, you won't have to watch Pros versus Joes. Uh, so feel free to draft at KFFSC.com. We will check that out as well. Terp, thank you so much for hopping aboard. Really appreciate it, guys, and we'll see you at 9, 8 Central tomorrow. See you guys tomorrow. You got it. That is Dave Terp and the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, uh, Jay Farrell Elliott. That will conclude tonight's Pros versus Joe's coverage. Do want to remind everybody that main event slow drafts off and running with the FFPC. Multiple football guys drafts filling every day. I'm commissioning the midnight one. Looks like there's still a few spots left in that, just two hours away from the first pick being selected. So make sure you're signing up for that at myffpc.com. We've been talking about the best ball tournament all night. Why? Well, because it's the same format as the pros versus Joe's and the grand prize has been doubled and the prize pool has been doubled. Turn 125 bucks into 200 grand and over a million dollar prize pool with that. The Superflex best ball tournament continues to fill fast. Dynasty startups over the next month and a half, roughly, maybe more closer to a month now, uh, will be going on at myffpc.com. Slow live and sit and go best ball and classics going on at myffpc.com as well. We will be back. By the way, I want to thank uh, Darren Armani, the FFPC, Farrell, uh, Dave, our producer, mutual friend, Rob, audio engineer, my best friend, Bryce, and of course, all of you, our viewers, tuning in tonight or listening to this later. I want to thank Jim Coventry for popping aboard the broadcast tonight as well. Always good to hear from that dude. Um, you're dead meat. No, I'm not talking to you. That's the name of the league that's going off at 9, 8 Central tomorrow is our pros versus Joe's coverage rolls on. It's our penultimate uh, draft as League 5 goes off tomorrow. A lot of interesting guys in this one. Matt Marku, Mike Stanowski, they're the FFPC Joes drafting first. Both of those guys have been on this podcast before. Another guy who's been on, Lou Tranquilli, a guy who's had a lot of success at the high stakes level. Bill Van Ormer, you just saw him on these airwaves probably about a month or so ago. Former $500,000 FFPC main event winner, Philip Hooten, will also be drafting tomorrow. John Hurd, who has had a lot of success in the Football Guys Players Championship and the main event, will be drafting ninth tomorrow. And then another guy, about two months ago, a month and a half ago, he's on the Irish CEO. You've seen him in a ton of Football Guys drafts. He's drafting in pros versus Joe's tomorrow. Shane Wingard, he is drafting from the 11 spot. As far as the pros go, you're looking at Josh Hayes from Rotoballer, Doug Orth from FF Today, Pat Corain from NBC Sports Edge, Dan Williamson from the GOAT District, uh, Liam Murphy from Fantasy Points, and big guy fantasy sports, Bob Lung 
will all be aboard the broadcast tomorrow. Want to thank everybody who made this possible. Want to thank everybody who tuned in and enjoyed it. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Your week officially starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. Hey, one other thing I should mention, too, and I know it's not football-related, but uh, we lost a legend in the sports world today as Bill Russell passes away. Uh, he, of 11 titles with the Boston Celtics, was a coach, been an ambassador for the game, one of the greatest players of all time, arguably the greatest center ever to play the game. He passes on at 88 years young today. Rest in peace, Bill Russell. We will talk to you again tomorrow. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.